0: What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get
1: laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, all oh, what a dickhead. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. Hey,
2: what a gorgeous day outside. I know that everybody's trying to be pessimistic about what the uh, future holds coming up on late Saturday, early Sunday. But seriously, I don't want you separating from me at all here. So if it takes you bringing me with you or rolling the windows down and cranking it up a little bit louder. Yeah, I struggle with hearing, right? So when I I pull up to an intersection with the windows down and it's not like I'm cranking it, I'm like cranking it so I can hear it. And I know everybody's going, man, look at that old fart over there cranking it. What's he think? He's like 25. Come on, old fart. I got it cranked because I can't hear it. (laughs) But... What a great day, and what a springboard into what I think. Am I alone on this? And I understand that we're still now a little under two weeks away from the NFL draft. By the way, this seat is hot. Somebody didn't change this. There's no way this seat was changed. None. So I may gag here a little bit in this first segment, but there is just no way this was changed, and you know how I feel about it. Not Jimmy's fault, but I can tell. Anyway, we're less than two weeks away from finally getting those answers we've been looking for for a long time, you know, whether you like them or not. Under two weeks away. And listen, I'm the first one to tell you that you guys are invested in local stories, local conversation. As you can tell, I keep 95% of what I talk about to local It's something you're interested in. You're always going to be interested in. And I recognize that it's stuff that you're just simply not going to get on the national level. It is so easy to find whatever you want out there. There is so much content, content overload. Like when I spoke to the uh, high school kids at u about a month or so ago, and they said, well, I I first got there and they go, yeah, uh, about 45 minutes. And when I got there, I thought it was going to be about 10 I said, okay, well, I don't have anything prepared. I didn't tell anybody that, but I went up there as if I had something prepared. And that's where I started because there is so much stinking content out there. You can find basically whatever you want to a national level because that is what you hear so much about. I mean, believe me, they will hit you over the head consistently with LeBron James and Aaron Rodgers and the Yankees. And that's why I have always run that misdirection here, understanding that we're the only ones around here that care about you. We're the only ones that give a crap about what you care about, what you invest your time and your income in being a part of. That disposable income that nowadays it's like squeezing tighter and tighter. Right? You have to make some decisions, but your decisions always surround the local teams that's what you want to hear about and it's weird because we are in a pattern right now again until that nfl draft rolls around where there is simply not very much going on and it makes it a little bit more difficult to identify those stories you have a great example yesterday we had Kyle Nedrip rip of the star on i just want to introduce you to some of the stuff that we probably are going to be talking about further down the road the, The interesting dynamic between high school softball, we don't spend a lot of time on it, or high school baseball, we don't spend a great deal of time on it, but the dynamic of Indiana arguably having the two best players nationwide in both softball and baseball, which I can't imagine that has ever happened. I can't imagine that's ever been close to happening. But I recognize that you want the local stuff and you want to be able to talk to your friends about the local stuff. And you know what? Furthermore, you want to be educated about that because uh, you you hear from me and you may go parrot that to somebody else. And if that is inaccurate, I don't want you saying, well, I, I got that from that dumbass at 3 o'clock on the fan. I want you to be educated as much as possible on it. So the content 95% of the time here is always going to be local, and rightly so, because we're the only ones around here that care about you. And it's always going to be that way. However, you look at this weekend, and outside of Long Beach coming up late Sunday afternoon, man, it's just not a lot. Like, I was thinking about it in my head downstairs while I was listening to Peter Wolf's song, Come As You Are, right? I don't know why, but I got to get myself pumped up to listen to some music before the show. And I was doing that and kind of going back and forth with the people inside the version of the lounge that goes in the midday and kind of, you know, jacking around with them a little bit. And I was thinking about that this weekend. It starts tonight with the NBA, and that's going to finish off what is the playing tournament. And while I have found that quite enjoyable, I would bet you that it's not over 50% of you here that give a big fat crap about it. I understand. But I'm excited. Like I want to see I want to see Miami get shredded. I think that's funny. And as I've talked about before, the whole the soap opera of the Timberwolves thing is kind of funny to me, but I know that that probably doesn't appeal to everybody out there. I can't wait until tomorrow, man, what sucks beyond the fact that I understand if you lose in this season and you don't make the postseason, it is and can be viewed as the betterment of the team. But still, you got this weather out here right now, and man, this would feel so great if the Pacers were playing. I'm sorry, it does stink. I know a lot of you nerds out there tell me why it's better off. And listen, I've nerdified myself too. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I do understand why it's better off, but it still doesn't make it suck any less. It just doesn't. You get this type of weather in April, and man, there should be NBA hoop, and you guys should be fired up, and it should be great. And it's just not that way. But I do look at tomorrow and I look at Sunday. Man, I cannot wait for the NBA postseason. Weird, right? It's not your usual suspects. I mean, in terms of teams, I understand, especially in the East. But you've got some really good stuff out West. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, you get the regular season out of Sacramento And for the first time in forever, it's funny, right? It's funny. I say this all the time regarding Colts fans. You don't remember what it was like when it sucked. I mean, the younger Colts fans, mind you. Yeah, you don't remember what we had to go through. You don't remember what bad was. Granted, this past season was not only bad, but it was a circus, you know, the seasons that were bad of the past were just bad. And you understood going in that they were going to be bad. And you understood during the season that they probably were not going to get any better. And there were times when you were satisfied. Hey, three wins, great. Hey, two wins, great. Hey, they got to win, great. Hey, we can all go ahead and do it again. They got to win. <laughs> everybody was everybody was promising celibacy until you get a win. Hey, all right, they won. So now everybody can start he and she again. Great. That's what it was like then, and, and that's what I tried to explain everybody here. On a similar level, I can't wait to watch Sacramento, and I like Domus a great deal. They have been fun to watch this year, but it does, it does kind of stir up thoughts of the past. There was a point in time when Sacramento was fun as hell to watch. What, basically the first five-plus years of the 2000s? When you had Jason Williams and Chris Weber and Vlade and Corliss Williamson and um, Mike Bibby and Bobby Jackson, Pejas Dijakovic, who ended up here, as we well know. um, Scott Pollard, who is still here. Now Those were fun teams to watch. They were owned by the Maloofs, and the Maloofs owned, um, I forget what the casino is. In Las Vegas. Now, the Palms, I think, is what they owned, right? That was like the place to be. You have a game on a Saturday night in Sacramento, a playoff game at the then Arco Arena, and then you jet on over and you party with the Maloofs at the Palms. But man, it had been so long, so long since they had been relevant whatsoever, other than in the NBA for losing. It makes you forget if you're the younger generation. I should say not even forget. It makes you forget. But the younger generation simply doesn't know. So I kind of find that cool. I look out west. I look in the east. I'm really excited about it. But granted, I understand because your team, the team that you support, the team that you care about around here, is still clearly in that rebuild mode. There are things to be excited about. Now, it's going to be different coming up next year because – you're going to be excited about it but you're also going to have expectations i mean there's no coming on with me and saying well you know what well, you want to chill out a little bit here because this probably is not going to be that great for a while and when you want to get mad and shake your fist remember that this is a part of and we get sick and tired around here hearing that word the process there are a lot of words and a lot of phrases that we get sick and tired of hearing around here. There's no question about it. Some of which will never go away. I mentioned this the other day. All chips in will never go away. And At the very least, we'll be here until the Colts win again. And winning helps you forget. Winning helped us forget. The Manning era, the Dungy era, the Polian era. Super Bowl 41 helped us Forget what basically happened from 1984 to the year 95 to when Manning got here. Uh, There's a whole lot of, you know, maybe not the circus atmosphere that you saw this year, but a whole lot of the losing column that got touched every single week of the NFL season. So, yeah, winning winning can erase that. I kind of find that interesting in the NBA, and I know you don't. I mean, you look at it as a Pacer standpoint, you look at it as, all right, what are they going to do in the offseason? Seems like that they got what you guys want to call some leverage. All right. They can have some say in this. Maybe now they can be nice, right? Would you guys agree? It would be nice. It always has seemed like in the not so distant past that somebody or something else would be dictating terms to the Pacers it seems like that they've now started on a path to where they can evolve into dictating some of those terms. Yeah, I know it's middle America. I know it's Indianapolis. I know there's no ocean. There's no mountains. I know all of that. But if you can continue to build a very exciting team that clearly is good offensively and also clearly as good as they are offensively, can't really play a lick of defense most of the time, all of these things you got to get better at doing. But being able to dictate those terms, you know, not have to worry about what your star player wants to do. You know, like, remember when Larry Bird said, well, Paul, don't make those decisions around here, which probably you would consider came back to haunt him, considering Paul George ended up dictating terms. And that ended up having a profound effect on this team, this organization. And while that effect had a nice quick bounce back, the longer term you had, again, terms that were being dictated to you. So that'd be nice this season if they were going to be able to do that. Be nice if the decisions they make parlay into us not having to go through this time. Or I should say, you, it's not so much me because I dig it, but you most of you out there going through this time because this is a hell of a weather window not to have any representation in the NBA postseason hell of a weather window and this is how we got we got used to this in the 1990s you know this is something else it just didn't happen overnight I mean hell we had to wait on that too seriously you guys think out there you're practicing patience right now hey I'm so patient yeah, you have no idea the patience that we had to practice. Yeah, I know I sound like that. I had to carry blocks of ice up eight stories. I know I sound like that guy right now. I have no idea what patience is all about. But at some point, I'm here with you. I mean, you go from being that, hey, look what they can do. I believe there's hope to, all right, show us. Tom Cruise, show us the money. You know, show us the dividend show us the payoff show us the results that we haven't seen and i'd be damned if you cannot also relate that to the colts all right so you've had chris ballard some good picks here or there but show us those results oh yeah i understand why you don't want to show us those results after the owner talks about all chips in and things got drastically worse and comical Well, Barnum and Bailey action going on around here last year. So it's time. It's time to start making those decisions. And it's time for them to begin to dictate those terms. It's still further off. Normally, that's not the case either. Normally in the NFL, because the way that it is built, you know, they want to do the guaranteed contracts. And the way that thing is built, you know, those bad teams have a quicker opportunity to turn things around. I don't happen to believe That the Colts at all are in that category coming up this year. As much as I would love it, as much as I love talking to Gardner Minshew a couple of days ago, and I can kind of understand why people are drawn to him. I can understand why people go, oh, wow, man, that guy's pretty cool. I can understand why you'd want that guy to win. It's funny, you look at the numbers outside of playing against the Colts, Or you look at the numbers when he had to play last year for an injured Jalen Hurts, you go, well, I don't know about that, especially in the win-loss column here. But I can understand why you would like to see because, man, dudes like that, it'd be fun as hell if they were able to surprise or shock the world and win. I just can't see it here and tell you that I would expect it if he's going to get that starting nod, if the... Drafted quarterback is not going to be ready, but man, that would be a great story, right? When you're thinking about those great stories that could happen, that'd be a great story. And that came from me with a 15 minute conversation. I can understand why people gravitate to the dude. He's real. He's wanting to have fun. He doesn't want to hang around any pissers. I'm right there with him on that. Uh, It's tough. It's tough in the world of sports around here, you know, not to be adjacent with somebody that is just, oh, woe is me about things sports-wise or things in general. It always seems like somebody's yelling at you about something. a quick way to get out of that is to have some winning, some surprise winning too. Again, I'm not trying to glorify it. I'm not trying to tell you to expect it. But after talking to him two days ago, I can understand why people would say, hey, I wouldn't mind to see that guy play. I would rather see a rookie play. I want to get this meter started now. I want to clock in and get this thing started right now. But if not, that'd be a hell of a scenario. They do still have some good players. It's just been a while since we've seen anybody consistently be good, right? I mean, really, you're a non-believer right now. Like, how many people have called me and said, well, you know what, and actually presented this, and I completely dismiss it. Seriously, I, I just, you just started your campfire, and I'm over there putting that thing out naturally. That's me. They do have good players. They should have a good offensive line, and they didn't a year ago. There are some pieces. So, again... Winning, far away. Surprises in winning, it'd be nice. I'm just telling you, I wouldn't expect it. It just seems like that this Colts team right now is a step behind where this Pacer team is in terms of your belief what's going to happen first. And normally that's in reverse order. Normally you don't get that. But that first step for the Colts coming up less than two weeks away, a lot of people talking about this is something else nationally that you hear. I try at times not to have anybody else. When I I listen to other people um, in the past, especially before I got this old and crusty, I kind of realized that when I listen to people, I end up kind of parroting what they say to a degree, and I never wanted to do that. And I wanted to come in here fresh, uh, maybe stupid sounding and inaccurate, but fresh nonetheless. Right. So give me credit for that. And I'll Try to pop something together new. I mean, when you come in here and you sit down and you're talking about, again, all the local stories that really matter to you, uh, you have to try to figure out in your mind different ways to frame them up. And that's how I put things together, at least in this first segment, each and every day right here. But you've been waiting. And I'd love to be able to suggest that, yeah, the guy we talked to two days ago who was an outstanding interview, yeah, I mean, he could surprise you a little bit. He's a guy that you root for. But it's one of those prove-it-to-you type of things to where right now you're sitting there with this team and you're going, yeah, you know what? Even trying to think about it and throwing a spin that you don't believe, it's tough to really make anything believable. But things start, things start that direction, you know. Even if the guy is not ready, the thing started that direction coming up less than two weeks from last night, and there has been some misdirection going on. I mean, what to me, if you had the number one overall selection, why would you not pick C.J. Stroud? I would. If you had the second pick, why would you not pick Bryce Young? I would. If you have the third and you want to trade up, Arizona doesn't want three, right? Unless they take somebody like Will Anderson. Why do they want three? You know, maybe they like Will Anderson. Maybe they think Will Anderson is going to be a Hall of Famer one of these days. You know, maybe they're not so much sold on trying to get the most trade value, Uh, you know, like Chris Ballard trying to squeeze the most juice out of that orange right there. And Maybe they just want to go ahead and get that damn thing right right there. Maybe somebody wants to trade up at number three to get Anthony Richardson. Or maybe the Colts have interest in Richardson. Maybe they don't have as much interest as I've talked about consistently regarding Will Levis. But that is going to form the longer-term future. They got to start making those right decisions. And I mentioned the pace to start dictating terms because you got pieces in place. Now it's time for the Colts to start making the decisions, the decisions that matter now and the decisions that matter in terms of winning and getting you back on board in the long-term future. That's what matters. That's what matters on a weekend when, other than IndyCar, there is not a great deal locally going on. And I'm sure I'm missing something if I am a college baseball game or a softball game or something. It don't feel bad. But just in terms of what normally is in the spotlight, that's the type of weekend you got working. But I look at it across the board, and I think it's great. I think it's going to be fun. A lot of enjoyment, even if it doesn't completely zone in on what you normally love, and that is local sports. And we will continue to talk about that. All right, I laid a lot out there for you. You can respond to it like Will has called in. He's on hold. We'll get to Will coming up in just a bit. Bob Lovell going to join us at the bottom of the hour. I don't know if Bob's going to have any info. This is something I didn't get to in time with Kyle Nedrip yesterday. So McCutcheon and Harrison out of the conference. um, And you've had some conference bouncing going on here recently. And I want to get the viewpoint of a guy that's been around here forever in terms of right or wrong and is that the future? That and more with Bob Lovell. That in college too with Bob Lovell coming up. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations that is carx.com Ask for Joe Childers, especially in Brownsburg today. Bob's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com in the 4 o'clock hour. Jeff Rabjohns will take us into the transfer portal. It is funny. As many people that have been excited as IU fans regarding the where kid coming in after a freshman year at Oregon, there are also a number of uh, non-believers. It just Jeff's breakdown on that and more coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Otherwise, I mentioned 239-1070 is the number. If you guys want to dial it up, you certainly can. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. I've already activated that. I was having fun with them a little bit earlier uh, before the show. So we'll do that again. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, you can watch, listen, and participate. It really is a glorious thing. you got HD radio as well. And especially, you can crank that up. I want you to crank this up, especially if you're, like, somewhere in traffic, which you're going to be. I stinking guarantee it. Like, crank it up so the person next to you can hear the show. <laughs> Do that. So they can go, would you turn that idiot down? I make them tell you to turn that idiot down, the idiot being me. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Your calls and Bob Lovell. Straight at you next
0: the ride with jmv i am the cream yeah the cream of the crop and there is no one that does it better 93.5 and 107.5 the fan black by block is listening on the app at flatwater and broad ripple need a
2: live remote from here one of these days here's what i i want to hear from you today if you guys want to do this um wherever you have me cranked up sitting outside Wherever it might be, a public place or your backyard, something private, let me know, man. i give you a little bit of love right here. Give that place a little bit of love right here. That looks like, I've never been to Flatwater and Broad Ripple, but it looks like a hell of a place right there. So crank me up block by block. I appreciate that very much. Anybody else wants to tell me all about it? I'll uh, give you some love on the show as we move forward. Rap John's after 5. Steve, or Stephen Holder, I should say, in the 4 o'clock hour. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from Indiana Sports Talk. Coming at you at 9.30 tonight. Coming at you tomorrow night as well. It's Bob Lovell with us. Hello, Bob. How are you? Hey, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yes, fantastic. What's going on with McCutcheon and Harrison getting booted out of a conference? What's happening there?
3: Yeah, I'm not really sure what the backstory is. I was really surprised when I when I read that this morning. Um, you know, conference um, affiliations kind of a, a fluid thing nowadays. And you know, back in your day, in my day, you you didn't move, you didn't leave. And so I think um, you know, in, in some respects, um, sometimes these things happen. You know, we've seen it with the Mick um, yeah. and others, but I I don't know exactly what the story is. I was surprised because I think the, you know affiliation with those schools makes a lot of sense geographically, competitively. I think that they bring a lot to one another's schedules and a lot to their programs. And so uh, I'm sure we'll find out much more in the next few days.
2: Did Harrison and McCutcheon get booted out or are they leaving? I don't know. I mean, I was a little unclear on that myself. I I, I initially heard they got booted, and then I think Sam King, who does a great job at the uh, Lafayette newspaper up there online here, Sam King said Harrison McCutcheon leaving the conference.
3: To go someplace else? Is that the question? I mean, trying to be an
2: independent sometimes gets a little tricky. I would guess so. I, listen, I I have watched and listened to Eric Moore try to put together his football schedule. I know right, that. Right. So, I, I, I know the, that. You
3: know, the thing to you know, thing to remember is uh is football is extremely important what you're trying to do. You you I suppose you can make money on your basketball schedule, but for the most part, the money's to be made playing football and having uh, you know, sell-out crowds on a Friday night five or four or five times a year, which can generate a significant amount of money. And uh, trying to put together that kind of schedule gets tricky, as we're finding out with Center Grove, obviously, as a perfect example. And so I'm not sure. I, I, if you voluntarily left uh, and don't have a landing spot, uh, I'm sure people would question the wisdom of that. So I, without knowing the details, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to know these things, and I let you down once again.
2: I'm curious about this. above levels on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We have seen more of this recently than, at least in my recollection, is this kind of going to be what we're going to, to recognize? Will this become sort of the norm here, you think? Or is this just kind of a an outlier the past couple of years with that in mind?
3: Uh, I'm not sure it's an outlier, but I, I think that there have been some changes in conference affiliations. And um, I think one of the things you have to look at uh, is that communities grow, communities um, you know, increase the size of their schools, and some decrease the size of their schools. I mean, think about that. You know, If your enrollment is dwindling at a school and you're playing a – let's say you're playing a 4A schedule, now you're reclassified as 3A – you know, you bring up those questions of why do you want to continue to compete with people who are larger than you are? And so, you know, I think there are geographic concerns. I think there are attendance concerns that might make you look at whether or not you want to continue to stay uh, to the conference affiliation you have. I think if you're,
1: <laughs>
3: excuse me, John, <laughs> if you're in central Indiana, uh, you know, your, your enrollment is skyrocketing and so, Makes, these types of decisions seem to make more sense to me uh, if you're in, in a major metropolitan area. And so, um, again, I don't know the, dis- the details. It'll be interesting, and I'm ho- so hopeful we can revisit this issue when one of us finds out more information.
2: Yo, you, I can let you cough really quick, too, man. You just asked me to take over for a minute. I'll let you cough. I appreciate, it. Yeah. I appreciate you caring about me Well, I so do. I, listen, I mean, I, I your comfort matters you, to right? me.
3: It does. No, oh, I I missed a weekend of shows a couple of weeks ago. I coughed my way through last weekend. Um, I just uh, I just can't. and then you know you know I obviously with a heart ailments, all the problems I have with my heart. I'm on uh, copious amounts of medication. For yeah. For first time in a while, I read some of the info that they give you uh, at the pharmacy about the information. Here's one that caught my eye, John. This this was a good one. Okay. May cause coughing. May cause dry coughing. Oh no. I thought, well, you know, I just diagnosed my cough. No need to go back to the doctor for heaven's sakes.
2: I think I have herpes.
3: Well, congratulations. (laughs) 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 I'm 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 happy for you. (laughs) Well, I don't want to. I'm glad somebody uh, is. Yeah,
1: great. uh, So
3: great. That's okay. That's just something to aspire for. So good for you.
2: But uh, twice, it's not really herpes, it's a cold sore, but I've told this story before, about twice a year, for whatever reason, in the same spot on my lip, and this has happened, for whatever reason, this has happened for about the past 20 years. I never got a cold sore ever until about 20 years ago, and then it just kind of pops back up here twice a year. It's a biannual herpy oh, effect yeah. that I have. I don't know why.
3: So I guess uh, I guess us kissing on the lips isn't going to
2: happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to hide it right now because, you know, I'm really vain, right? I'm embarrassed by it. So I've got a lot of – I put a lot of foundation on that to hide it right here for sure. It's Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. Tonight, tomorrow night here on The Fan, as always, uh, you got to check it out. Or I should say stations around the state of Indiana. You got to check that out. All right, so coming up in May, the IHSAA Board of Directors will meet. Uh Got any ideas for what – should be addressed moving forward here during that meeting
3: i think the biggest thing on the agenda is uh, this uh, legislation they're, they're proposing in terms of redoing classifications um based on you know in uh, specific enrollment figures uh they do it now where they just have a number of schools uh, and uh, literally count down the number and, and when they get to that particular number draw a line and if you're above it you're in this class you're below it in another class they're trying to tighten that up and get uh more specific um numbers uh cutoff numbers which uh i think when they get to i think they're gonna my guess is that's probably what they'll do and that they'll pass it i think there's enough uh interest in the part of the administrators around the state and coaches and and uh, others that they in fact will do that and um uh, there's a groundswell, if you will, of support for it. A lot of people like it. Gives you uh, a lot more equity. It's getting harder and harder, obviously, uh, to put all this together and and make it worthwhile. They're not going to cut down the number of classes. I think they're locked in uh, with what they currently have, and so I think that'll be the number one agenda item on their spring meeting.
2: Um, is that is that necessary in your opinion, moving forward like this? Well, I think that they, you know, the coaches
3: associations and the athletic directors have spent a lot of time studying it and uh, they, they are really in favor of doing this, John. I mean, you have, I mean, think about it. You have Carmel with 5,000 students in in 4A and then um, what Franklin, I think, you know, we're, we're, we, I don't know what we have, but you know, we don't have 5,000 students in our high school. And so we're, we're playing for the same football championship that they are. And so, um it, it it is gonna you know there'll be teams that'll move up and move down it'll redo some of your sectional alignments without question uh and you know how people get out of out of shape when you hear about oh we're no longer in that same sectional uh i think they've also looked at the impact it'll have on travel because we all know that that gets as further on you advance some of those travel issues become uh severe for for schools and so uh, I had the, the commissioner on my show a couple of weeks ago talking about it, and you know I, I inferred from that conversation that there's a lot of support to do this, and uh, I would encourage people to go to ihsa.org and find out more information about it because it's um, it's something I know they're they're going to address in their in their upcoming meetings in their their. Springboard
2: meeting. It's a Bob level of Indiana sports talk. He's got you covered tonight and tomorrow night in closing. I don't think I ask you this. I know I did Greg rakestraw and again we're we're further down the road and after the fact here um in a little bit of time to soak it up and to see just how great a season they had, but where would you place the unbeaten state title season of Ben Davis among their predecessors of greatest of all time category here? Where would you Where slot them? How would you describe yeah. them compared to
3: those? You, 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 you clearly put them in in a class uh, with all the other undefeateds: the the Warren Centrals, the Washingtons, the uh, the East Chicagos. You know, the, the, those uh, they have to be in that pantheon, so to speak, of great teams. They did what they did, and I granted these are different times. I understand that what they did was insane, 34, 35 wins, playing the most difficult conference in the state, the most difficult schedule in the state, and yet they didn't lose a game. So from my perspective, I'm not going to say they're the greatest. I've never gone down that road, but they have to clearly be considered just like you consider all of those previously unbeaten and storied programs in our state without question. They belong in that category.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It just they had, I mean, it did. It, it was it was just an impressive season all the way oh, around, and especially yeah. after uh, you know a January point where you know you are targeted as such each and every week. It's not like the schedule gets any easier either. That that was one of the, of the more impressive efforts I've seen. For sure.
3: Well, yeah, especially when when you again you think about who they played, and, and and just think about that whole perspective of being in the mix, playing. Team. You're playing. You're. I don't know. I haven't looked at it in terms of specifics, but you know, you, everybody on your schedule, two thirds are over on your schedule. All have winning records. All have really, really, really solid players, and you dispatch all of them. And um, I think it's an incredible accomplishment, without question.
2: So, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, what you got coming up tonight, tomorrow night?
3: John, I have absolutely no idea. I'm like you, getting prepared. Just gonna roll in here, do you? Well, you know, I mean, I especially on your takeover. You know, you (laughs) just—I love the uh, opportunity to have tension in my life and not really know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? No, we're going to spend a lot of time, to be honest, talking about. Spring football its one of my favorite topics. This time of year, we're going to talk about racing as we inch closer and closer to the month of May. How do you not like that? High school baseball, I'm a huge fan. Played on two sectional championships
2: as a Quaker, so I
3: love that. And so well, we, I, and brought up, I brought up I brought up Max that, Clark.
2: Right? I brought up Max Clark of Franklin yesterday he can too. play,
3: brother. Oh, my hey, goodness. Can he play? Bob, I brought oh.
2: this up, too. I can't remember oh. a time. Oh, I don't think it's ever happened where there is a legit argument that can be made nationally that in softball and in baseball, the state of Indiana have the two best players in Keegan Rothrock at Ron Colley and Max Clark at Franklin and you know given uh, given the fact that so, that that Keegan is I think from Whiteland and Johnson County originally there right. that would be Johnson County has the best softball player and the best baseball player in the nation I agree with you wholeheartedly why don't you you uh, no, should it's, everybody it's should really why good.
3: why why do uh, not more I, agree I don't even with me understand if there's an argument why <laughs> would there be an argument they they're they're that good they really are
2: mm-hmm well, you can have I that. Know, you can you, put you that can. out there that some of your folks are going to have on the show about that too. And
3: I, I just, I for you I, want to move to Johnson County, don't you? You feel a, a all, bond. All I, all I
2: have to do is cross so they, the road. All I have to do is cross the road. Yeah, I just walk out. There. If I walk out on the other side of the road, my yard off of Banta Road, I'm in Johnson County. I just it's happen to heart. I pay taxes in Morgan in Johnson County, Johnson, County. So yeah. Yeah. Your heart's in Johnson County. That's the key. (laughs) My toilet flush is in Morgan County.
3: Oh, now you're talking! <laughs> I, that, uh, on a different day, I would have had so much to say about that. Going I know you would, buddy. I know. Moresville days, but I'm going to leave that one. I know you lobbed it underhand, but I'll go ahead and leave that one alone. A
2: feel better, have two great shows this weekend, oh and we'll do it again next week, Bob. Thanks. Great to talk to you as always. Thank you. It's a Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers Run Car X locations. That is carx.com to remain spring road ready today do that hey Kurt's out watching Butler and Villanova in baseball right now well done I love finding out where you are and how you're listening Damon Dobbs checks, uh, checks in with this what's your remote scheduled next week I believe we had the one at main event that's a tavern tour stop on Friday of next week I believe And then we switch around. It's not this weekend or the weekend after, but the final weekend. So the draft weekend, the NFL draft weekend, because I am hosting the Ron Colley fundraiser, the event roar on that Saturday. The JMV takeover goes from that Saturday to Friday. So I'll walk out of here and walk next door. And do JMV Takeover three until six, and then six until midnight. And you're right, Damon. That is uh, that's two weeks from tonight. Is when I switch that around from Saturday to Friday. Be a great time. Quick break, and we'll come back. Stephen Holder coming up at the top of the hour. Less than two weeks away from the NFL Draft. So two weeks from right now. Hopefully, we're going to be talking to whomever they draft, but certainly we're going to be talking about who they drafted this time in two weeks. That should be a blast. Thought to Stephen Holder about that coming up at the top of the four o'clock hour. Jeff Rabjohns regarding the transfer portal. I did want to ask him about IU Spring football, too, and where Taven Jackson is as far as playing quarterback is concerned. We'll do that with Jeff coming up in the five o'clock
0: hour. 93.5107, Five the Fan. The Ride with JMV. Well, not
4: really. I felt it on my leg. Come on. I don't want to see it.
0: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
2: Bob Lovell, podcast 107.5. TheFan.com. Look who is here. You all right? You know what? That's my favorite shirt that you have right there. I had That's a it. We show got like it. Today. Yes. Yes. I, we'll get some going too. Love that shirt. You guys have a great weekend. Listen tomorrow night too, all right? Make sure you do that. Bob Lovell. Podcast 1075thefan.com, where we talked a lot of high school, a little bit of college right there as well. Jeff Rabjohn's more on the transfer portal uh, with IU in mind coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Some of you have asked because Center Grove was one of these schools that received the bomb threat this morning and they called it off I can't name off the top of my head all of them but I know that there was more of a handful and you guys are asking exactly what happened or if I found out what happened and I haven't yet I have not I just know that I had to again it was kind of a redirection for me with Laney, because Laney didn't end up going to school today. Uh, Blake did, so we were kind of running around a little bit this morning. But um, I have not heard anything uh, anything reported, I guess. I haven't really been looking, though, so there may be something there that I just simply don't know. But for those of you asking, absolutely, Laney, Laney was a part of that because Center Grove was a part of that. And that's, that's a bummer. Yeah, these are the days. I look back on it, I think, every day, and I didn't. And I did take the day off occasionally like Ferris Bueller, right? But these are the days that are really fun. Those after-school activities going on. And then, you know, again, with more than a handful of schools here. In the entirety of the state of Indiana you didn't get to do that today I know there was some e-learning going on but I think CG just kind of called everything off I called Eric Moore this morning and said what the hell's going on around here that's where I get all my information from Center Grove as I call the football coach <laughs> yeah, what's happening here why is this why is this drop off line taking so long you gotta call a football coach cause he knows all come on coach John Martin writes this, I'd like to see a matchup of the Ben Davis team against one of those 2000 through 2005 Pike squads right there. Man, I would love to, John. Honestly, I would love to be able to somehow, some way, evaluate and compare from different eras. I think that would be fun because I, I lived through an era where still to this day, what Marion did going back to back to back in the purple rain era was absolutely flooring to me. It still is with the amount of talent they had, especially over that three year period, that bill green coached up you know, with our good friend, Lyndon Jones with Jay Edwards, but so many others, I think it actually started with like Jay Teagle and Lafon Bowens. would love to be able to do that but when you do that clearly it's problematic because i would end up just skewing what i actually saw and what i enjoyed and then you don't keep it on an even plane so that'd be the problem i would have with it i'd love to be able to do that even going back further than what you're talking about right there no question about that Mark checks in with this. Just three guys are worthy of number four. Young, Stroud, and Anderson, no one else. Young, Stroud, and Anderson worthy at number four. So you think Carolina climbed all the way up there to get Young? There's no way they did it to get Richardson, right? That's been said. I'm not going to dismiss what Mark says about Anderson either. I just happen to think, and this again is an an educated guess, I just happen to think that what your issue is under center long-term carries more weight than what normally is said the best player available. That's going to be an interesting question to ask right there. If they do decide to go a different direction, or check that, if they do decide to draft a quarterback, or if it's Levis, or for example, if it's Richardson, was that the best player available, or was that the player that fit the need, and a drastic need that you had a quarterback, the most serious need that you have? That's the question. That's the question that needs to be asked afterwards. And hopefully coming up in in two weeks from today, we have folks on here that are answering that question. Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up on the other side. We'll talk about that and a lot more. Again, if you are out and about today, make sure you take us with you, uh, whether it is on the stream or the app. I mean, if you can even watch it inside the lounge via YouTube live right now, keep that on the phone. You certainly can. And, you know, if you're sitting outside and you're cranking it up and let everybody around hear you, let me know where you are, and I'll give that place and you some love as well because that's what it's about on a day like today. We'll get into the 4 o'clock hour next. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, Colts draft, some NFL stuff, Jeff Rabjohns and the 5 o'clock hour, the Friday edition of the show, ninety-three five and 107.5 The Fan
0: the ride with jmv can you fly this plane and land it surely you can't be serious i am serious and don't call me shirley 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
2: a shout out to chris presley who is the manager at the sub-zero location i bet that's doing some business up in carmel today shout out to chris and sub-zero shout out to dave who's sitting in his backyard in his converted are you ready for this the converted pergola per your comments to put a roof on it i've never understood the pergola put a roof on that thing if you're going to go that far and build that structure stick a roof on that bad boy well done dave i appreciate you Rab John's five o'clock hour. Bob Lovell last hour. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Gardner meant you earlier this week. If you missed that lengthy conversation, it was enjoyable. Podcast also 1075thefan.com. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, ESPN.com, he is Stephen Holder. How are you enjoying this glorious day besides having to waste 20 or so minutes being with me?
5: <laughs> well, let's just say uh, I didn't get much use out of it for the past forty-five minutes because I took me a nap. Okay, well done. Uh, well done. But listen, hey, listen, I, I, I've been I've been surprisingly busy this offseason between doing the Colts and chasing other stories I've been working on, unrelated. So I I, I came to a point this week where I was like, enough.
2: And I take <laughs> naps all the time, but I take them like I'm I'm out and I start at three. And I will Mm -hmm. get to where I'm going, for example, if I'm on location, I'll get there a couple hours early and I'll take a nap in my truck to a point one time, one time a policeman walked by and knocked on my windshield because I think he thought I was either passed out or dead
5: like, who's this drunk guy behind the
2: wheel? I better do something here. <laughs> no, I'm just – I'm preparing for a show right here and taking a nap. So occasionally in this building, you'll catch me down on 5. I'll be down on 5 asleep before the show too. So you got to get a little power nap. A little power nap never hurt anybody.
5: Oh, yeah, man. That's right. Yeah, but I, I'm definitely uh, – I'm going to get outside
2: here when we're done though. That's for sure. Um, when we uh, – I'm curious if you have a similar thought, and I've laid this out a couple of different times. I I think that it's interesting because we have heard literally nothing. Now, granted, I'm not talking about information coming out of the Colts because that thing's locked up tight. We can obviously yeah. tell that. But just in terms of rumor stuff, there has been nothing. And my point has been, I think that that backs up my claim that they feel comfortable with what they're going to get it for, and they're going to stay at four. Is that a reasonable angle to have at this point?
5: I don't think it's unreasonable. So I guess I say that's, that it's reasonable. I would say this, this is the one caveat. I think they have to kind of watch and see and maybe get some intel on on what might happen in front of them because that's always ebbing and flowing. And uh, obviously number three is what I'm talking about. I'm also though talking about before number three, Now, that's a very key er, key part of this, right? What do they know about what's going to happen in the first three picks? Now you never truly know, quote unquote, no, but you do have some kernels of information you can glean. They're going to have more information than we have. You know, their scouts talk to other scouts. They're at the pro days. They talk to the players, the agents, and they they can put all of that information together and maybe get some sense of of what it looks like. You know, for example, what is happening at number one, right? If the if the Panthers do take Bryce Young, here's here's something that I think is brewing. You know, is this a real conversation about about the Texans not taking C.J. Stroud if, if he's if Bryce Young is gone, right? I mean that conversation is building some momentum. I have no idea if it's true, but my point to you is, hopefully, the Colts are are putting in the work and and trying to glean some information about what's happening there because that I think ultimately those are the things that are that are going to kind of dictate how strongly you feel about having to move to number three. So I answer your question. Yeah, I think your point is reasonable, but I also think this is part of what's happening behind the scenes. And it's really hard to know how much they actually know about some of that and and some of those machinations, but I think that matters a lot.
2: So are you saying when and I mean everyone, every general manager, every executive, every team after the draft always tells us we knew it was going to go that way. We knew the board was yeah. going to go that way. So I'm assuming right now, if all of that is always true, that they know what's going to happen right now. Or they believe they know what's going to happen right now. And that is going to get solidified as we get closer to the actual date in less than two weeks.
5: Yeah, they, it's true. They always do say that. And and I think <laughs> I don't think it's always true. All right? I think they're very good at, at acting like they're – in control of things. They're really not in control, but, but I do think they, as I said, they have more information than we do. And I do think that's true. I think that they use that to their advantage. That, that has to be, I think some teams are better at it than others, right? Or some teams are better at anticipating scenarios than other teams. I don't know what are all uh, of the ways that they glean that information. It's actually a story that I'm thinking about working on. Um, I want to know some of the tricks. Like how do they know what's going to happen, right? Or how well do they know? It's it's very interesting to me because I, I think if you have that piece, it's less about what you're going to do, especially when there's, there's teams in front of you that impact your pick. It's less about what you're going to do, and it's all about what everybody else is going to do because that's going to dictate what's available to you at the end of the day,
2: right? And that's why I you say that things, I think they're right? comfortable with where they are. Yeah. because they feel yeah, that they so, know that. And that's that's my theory. And again, it could be completely proven wrong and it could be proven wrong by somebody throwing a Fernando Valenzuela screwball up there at the very mm-hmm. beginning and kind mm-hmm. of upsetting it, which which really could ultimately play into the Colts favor if you're not so much dialed into the land of Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or right. Will Anderson or trading back or whatever the hell.
5: Yeah, I think that, that does make sense, right? That, and, and here's the thing. There's only three picks ahead of them, right? So there are only so many scenarios. I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of scenarios potentially, but likely scenarios, right? There's only so many likely scenarios. And if you have gone through and played through all of those scenarios and you are comfortable with at least most of them, then I guess I agree that, you know, if you sit at four, uh, you're, you're going to be able to accept whatever outcome yeah. uh, comes to you. Yeah. I, 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 think, th- I think
2: that tells us that because had yeah. they been worried about that, they would have and certainly could have done something about it.
5: Well, they, they had, they've had multiple opportunities to do something. They had an opportunity to go to number one. They, they didn't seem very interested in that from all indications. Not just because they didn't do it, but also because it appears just from the intel we've gotten that they didn't try very hard, number one. So that's that's one indicator. And then right now, I think the the fact that that, that Carolina trade happened so early, I think it creates some urgency. If you are trying to go to number three, I think it, it creates some urgency there because there's already been a big trade in this draft. You would think that there would be urgency uh, by teams trying to go to number three, and that that wouldn't necessarily happen on draft night as we're accustomed to, right? So that hasn't happened, and I guess what we're exactly a couple weeks out now. So yeah, I think it's a it's a reasonable assumption to make, and I think there's also another angle to this. You talk about being comfortable, you know, with with how this would go. I, I think we also know there hasn't been a lot of separation between these quarterbacks for the Colts from, from every indication, at least between Will Levis and Anthony Richardson uh, from, from what I have heard. And and I think that would be what your information uh, reflects as well. If they haven't, if they, if they don't have a lot of separation between how they have these guys ranked, well then why go up and give up the assets to move up, right? That's the other side of that coin. Um, at the end of the day, you're, you're fine with either guy potentially, you know? So I, I agree with you.
2: I agree. So Stephen Oler via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. They satisfied, as I feel that they are right now, with a, a peak of this offensive line other than, you know, figuring out what they're going to do at right guard. Are they satisfied with Ryman? and the other three standbys figuring out what to do at right guard and then believing last year was maybe more of a product from either a a bad quarterback that could not get out of the way from anything couldn't throw the ball down the field and you know maybe even if you want to throw him under the bus as well and i know we did many a time chris strasser as the coach of that unit are they are they hoping and believing that a change of scenery under center will make this offensive line better
5: it sure looks like it, but I actually don't know that I, I think I don't know that the quarterback is going to be that much of a game changer for them, though. I think it has to be performance, too. You know, um, the, the the quarterback situation was was definitely a, a problem. It's pretty horrific. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. But but I, but I'm also saying I don't think changing the quarterback necessarily flips this thing 180. You know what I'm saying? Like there has to be some improvement too. There has to be. And and I think when you when you look at it, uh Ryan Kelly, I really felt that they, they felt Ryan Kelly was salvageable. Uh there, there was some some sentiment of that all along. I think they wanted to find out whether the new coaching staff agreed, and clearly they do, right? So Ryan Kelly they think is salvageable, he's back. Uh, the right guard situation really did impact him, I believe, and it definitely impacted uh, the running game for sure. You know that was that was a big problem last year. That the, the fact that they couldn't get the running game going, I, I think that was a, a big indicator that it wasn't just about the quarterback. Uh, the the lack of running lanes for Jonathan Taylor what, had nothing to do with the quarterback. It had some maybe in terms of the defenses and how they were playing them, but but it. But it really was a product of of what was happening up front. Unless we think that Jonathan Taylor lost his magic, and I don't. I know he was hurt, but I I really think that was a product of of subpar play up front. You know, that that right guard spot was a huge factor there. Brian Kelly didn't play it quite as well as well, so that's a factor. Uh, Quentin Nelson played below his expectations and then left – left tackle was just a disaster early, got better. Uh, I think they're hoping for that to continue this year. So they got to figure out right guard. Uh, Braden Smith's going to be fine. I think I thought he started poorly, but got better. And I don't think he was quite as, as weak later on. I thought he, he played pretty close to his level later on. So I think he's going to be fine at right tackle, but, but the the left tackle has to stabilize. Right guard's got to be uh, just a complete change, I think. And then Ryan Kelly's got to be better. Quentin Nelson will be fine, I think. But, you know, there was a lot going on, okay? <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah,
2: I'll give you an, a new twist to that question, too. Maybe even not so much considering any change in quarterback that was an absolute mess a year ago. But how much of it is it is it believing that the change in offensive philosophy in Shane Steichen is going to help this group? Certainly more than it got I mean, is that more than than the credit that you would give to whatever quarterbacks under center with the way that this offensive line plays I mean are they giving a lot of credit here to Shane Steichen because listen I do yeah. I think that it can happen yes but we still have to see it so I guess I'm still a bit on the outside looking in but is that their theory
5: yeah a lot of listen. You, you're, that's, that can apply to a lot of things, frankly. They're putting a lot of faith in Shane Steichen, and this goes way beyond the offensive line. I think it's an important point because you're right. <laughs> we, we are making some assumptions here, and they hired the guy, so they obviously believe in him, but, but you are right. We still have to see it. There's no doubt about that. I don't, I don't disregard that at all. I think when you talk about the young quarterback, and, and his ultimate success, whoever it is, that is a direct link to how good is Shane Steichen, okay? That's a fact. Uh, the offensive line and, and turning that around, that's going to be largely about scheme and, and obviously getting better performance as well, but the scheme has to be part of that too. There's no question about that. Uh, I think when you talk about, you know, guys like Jonathan Taylor and getting him back to where he needs to be, that has to come down to to, to scheme and and play selection and, and all of these things. So there's a lot on Shane Steichen here. I don't disagree with that at all. In fact, I think we need to talk about that more. I really do, because he's a first-time coach. He, he certainly has been productive as an offensive play caller, but he does not have the Eagles offensive personnel here. Okay. This is a different situation and this is going to require a lot more of him. So I want to see if he's up to the task, man. I really do. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, he's, he's got maybe not the most experienced offensive staff as well. So that's going to put even more on his shoulders as well. So this is going to be an ongoing storyline throughout the season. I believe, you know, to find out what
2: this guy's made of All right and Stephen holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline maybe again it's it's different and Gus Bradley's still here and his guy is the head coach at Chicago um Rock Yassine is still out there. He is a former Colts cornerback, and certainly if you look at the depth chart at corner right now, this team is in desperate need of some bodies there. Is that at all still as an unrestricted free agent? Uh, any interest there, or will he, you think, ultimately be maybe reunited with Matt Eberflus in Chicago here at some point?
5: That's I think Chicago makes a lot of sense and, and is probably more likely, but – but I, but I think it's it's a position they got to do something about. Uh, it does feel like it's a target in the draft. That could be, that that could be where they're going here. I mean, Chris Ballard does like to target cornerbacks. He doesn't necessarily draft them very high, and, and maybe that should change. But but I do think they're going to draft one somewhere. I, I think one of the things they've done over the years is, is draft a lot of defensive ends really high. Um, maybe maybe it's time for a corner to be targeted with one of those picks they've used on, on defensive ends to, to, you know, with mixed results, by the way. (laughs) So I don't know. it will be interesting. I think that's, that's the question for me. Do you go out there and you you pay somebody or do you, do you maybe make that a, a priority in the draft? I actually wouldn't mind them making it a priority in the draft. I think there, there have been a lot of, Corners have a lot of success very early on in recent years as young corners. So you can find those guys and, and have them play pretty early on. Uh, But I agree with you. The depth chart is shaky at that position. I think Stephon Gilmore gave them real credibility in their secondary. And, and when you trade him, I get that he was 32 going on 33, but uh, his performance was what it was. And it was very good. And, and they have lost a lot of credibility in the secondary at corner, in particular, without him there, um, now Kenny Moore being back does stabilize things a little bit. But but I agree. I think in the long term uh, they're going to need somebody reputable back there, and I, that's why I think it's it's a, a concern or a I should say a
2: target in the draft. Is is Rock reasonable there? You think, or is that no way? They they're not going to go back to that.
5: I, I, it's hard to read, man. You know, I don't know. It, it just because I think I look at it this way: when Gus Bradley came in here, I mean, one of the first things they did was trade him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know why they traded him. They wanted he wanted that particular uh, type of he wanted a particular type of rusher, and he got that in Ngakwe. But uh, I don't know. I I also it also depends on money too. I mean, if you, get, you know, Chris Ballard plays that waiting game, and and if he's if he's at a certain price, maybe it becomes more reasonable. But but what I worry, what I wonder about more, is less about Chris Ballard and more about what is Gus Bradley like. I, I don't know, I don't know what kind of corner he likes. <laughs> it's just, I don't understand. I'm not exactly, I'm not entirely sure. And, I, and what I say, when I say that, is because you know, last year we talked about this. You know, when it came time for, you know, some of the the point, some of the personnel decisions they were making at times, I was a little confused myself. So I don't know. I, I just don't really know. I don't really know what his mindset is when it comes to corners. Maybe that's why they go draft one and give him what he really wants. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah,
2: I I would consider that, too. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us. Um, I think you guys got a similar answer as I did going back to the February combine here in Indy from Chris Ballard. When I asked him about Shaquille Leonard, he said, I would not bet against him which you can take as, you know, wow, he does believe in him, or you can also suggest, well, he had zero to say on that, so I don't know if he's ever going to be back to what he he once was. I'll ask you this. What do you expect? Because that's a big deal moving forward here, you know, what he is going to be. Do you think he ever will be what people came to expect? Or I guess – I could phrase it this way, or you have a a number of questions until you actually see him play about that.
5: No, you're right on a couple points. Number one, it is a big deal, like a huge deal, because I would submit to you, I have no way of proving this, but I would submit to you that if Shaquille Leonard plays at 100% last season and plays the whole year, he probably gets you a couple more wins okay that his ability to take the ball away it changes games, it literally changes games, and so you have the guy who who has maybe the single biggest impact of any player on the team in in terms of just individually right he may he might be that guy he might be the guy who has the single biggest impact and he wasn't there, and when he did play, you could basically say he wasn't there, <laughs> okay because it wasn't good so what I'm saying to you is, yes, I agree. It's a huge deal, and it's a game-changer if he's out there. Uh, how do I take it? I, I think they're cautious. They're going to be cautious. And they they kind of got burned with that last year for a couple reasons. Number one, it, it was a difficult thing to diagnose. Uh, so, you know, you're at the mercy of the, the medical experts and, and somewhat at the mercy of, of the player. And, and how he handles things. And look, I mean, they, they wanted to believe that he was back. And I think my read of it is that Shaquille was, was really eager to get back in the lineup and was, was impatient and, and wanted to see some progress. So they kind of you know let him kind of ease back in and, and probably let that process go a little faster than it should have, to be completely honest with you. And then the reality is it wasn't totally fixed either. So, so he was, he wanted to do more and kept wanting to do more. And yet the results really weren't coming because medically it it wasn't, he wasn't where he needed to be. That thing wasn't completely fixed. So this is a long answer, but what I'm saying is they're hoping they've got, they've got it right. And the truth is they won't know for some time until you truly get out there and he really pushes uh, at the level he has to push, that's when he's going to know whether that thing is really firing where it's supposed to be. I've gotten some good intel on it, but, I mean, it's so early that, you know, what what stock can you put in it, right? That's kind of where we're at. But the, the good thing is that the timeline now is very different than last year. Shaquille had that surgery, I believe, in June last year. So much closer to the season. Now he, he basically missed almost an entire season, but uh, he's got a lot of time between the surgery and the time they put the pads on in August, right? So, so he's on a much different timeline now, and they're going to know much further ahead of time uh, than they did last year. That, that's the other factor here. That, that surgery happened so late in the offseason that it was a one-shot deal. You know, they had one, one attempt at it to, to kind of get this right. So now they did the surgery. They can do different approaches to rehab, bring them along slowly. They can do baby steps for months here. So hopefully that works, man. I, I, don't, I can't tell you anything more than that, and I don't think they can either. And, and that's just the reality of it. It's going to be a long road until we get some certainty. Uh, but it, it's a huge, huge question, and I think it changes everything for the Colts. If he's out
2: there. Did you talk to Buckner? I was there for that, yes. Okay. Um, So, did Chris Ballard talk to to guys like Buckner, uh, the veteran leaders on this team, you know, about the direction and, you know, if they were, you know, okay with it? Is that kind of how that went down? Is that accurate? Well... I, my read on that is actually is, is actually slightly different because that's what Buckner said, right? Or that's yeah, how yeah, he yeah. answered the question. Yeah, go ahead. No, no,
5: you're right. Yeah. You're right. So I remember talking to to DeForest at the end of the year and asking him, you know, just what he envisioned for his future. And he told me at that time that he wanted to hear from Chris Ballard. So. I don't know whether he walked into Chris's office and said, we need to talk or whether Chris reached out to him. My read is that the forest wanted to talk. And so I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's that unusual. I do think that Chris Ballard does do that with a lot of his, his core guys. Uh, he, He tries to have that open door policy. So I don't think it's, it's unusual, but I do think, I think both guys wanted to have that conversation. If you're Chris Ballard, you you got to know that 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 this guy is is on your side and that he's with you, right? I mean, I think that's just smart. And then on the other side, you had DeForest Buckner who had just been through basically another hellish season. Is like, I'm sick of this. <laughs> Where are we going? And and I think he probably needed to hear from Chris Ballard, like, hey, I've got a plan. I don't know what the plan is necessarily uh, because I don't think they've articulated it, but but the the fact is he heard what he needed to hear and he's on board. So I, I really think time away from things does kind of let you simmer down to um, my conversations with the forest after the season, uh, there was a lot of frustration there and he, I, I never got the sense he was going to ask to be traded or anything like that. But, but I also knew that, that he wasn't pleased with where things were. So so I'm happy to hear that he is pleased with whatever direction this is going. Um, but, but I also think he's placing a lot of trust in Chris Ballard, which is what he said. He said, I, I trust Chris. But that doesn't mean that he has all the answers, <laughs> that, that DeForest got all the answers. I don't think he got all the answers. I think it was more a matter of like, hey, hang in there. We're going to get this right. That doesn't mean they answered the questions. It just means that he trusts them to, to get the answers right eventually.
2: Like, Does that what, make sense? Yeah, that uh, it, Well, I just I'm I'm curious because I'm trying to just, you know, w- with that response that he had, I was trying to read the room as to all right, yeah. then what was he told, accepting a you know a longest kind of what Rick Carlisle told me of the Pacers back in October when you know just kind of chill out a little bit. This could be a bumpy ride kind of thing, mm-hmm. and he, and I just was wondering if that's the conversation he got in in describing how to accept this draft and then this this upcoming season. Stephen Holder yeah. joins us. Go ahead. You, you got something it's, you want to add here? Because I got one final yeah, question was, for you.
5: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, I really think I, – I think the the Carlisle thing is is applicable here,
2: right? I, I do think well, – there's no question about FBI. that. Absolutely. Because they they did – the Pacers did something that the Colts really need to do this year. And they, the Pacers went through December and gave this fan base hope – And interest, and the Colts need to find somehow some way to infuse that to this fan base because going in, there's not a lot there.
5: I think this this could be this could be their Pacers season. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like this could be the, the 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 next season for the Colts might be last season this this just completed season for the Pacers. And if it if it's that, then I think I think it's okay. And what I mean by that, let me define what I mean. What I mean is you can see the vision. If we can see the vision, then I think this thing will be successful. This ain't going to be about wins and losses for me. I I don't think it is because they've made it about trying to win for the last five years, and they haven't done a damn thing ultimately, right? They've made no progress in the aggregate when you look at it in its totality. They haven't made any progress as an organization. They won some games here and there, but you know, they haven't progressed. They haven't done anything. So I think this is, I don't know if you want to call it a rebuild or reset. I don't care what you call it. I, I just think this is really about long-term progress. And and for that, you really got to see progress at quarterback and you just want to see growth in general. Look, that's just where they are right now. So so I think I think the Pacers analogy is very accurate and and appropriate right now.
2: All right, I'm just pulling this out of my rear end here to close here. I'll set the over under at eight. Where would you go? Which side of that would you go with? Starts at quarterback for oh. Gardner Minshew.
5: Oh, okay. The over under is eight. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think I think under, and here's why. Because I don't think they're going to be good. So if you're not good and you're not playing for anything, then who cares that you play the veteran quarterback? I mean, let the kid play. (laughs) That's what I'd say. Put that kid out there, whoever the hell he is, and play that kid and let him learn. Now, I mean, I I think you you obviously know that there can be some some pluses and minuses to going through and, and taking your lumps as a young quarterback. I understand that. I'm not saying put him in day one, but I think this is going to be such a, a situation where I think this team might have some struggles. And I think at some point there's not going to be a justification for, for keeping the rookie on the sideline. I mean, I've been through this before covering the NFL where you have a team that's not good. You have a young quarterback and it just gets to the, to a, to a, to a, a point where, the fan base and even the team has to ask itself, okay, what are we doing? What's the point of this? And so you just have to put the kid in there. I think it's going to be that kind of year. Now, you know, if Gardner Minshew got in there and they ripped off a bunch of wins or something. That'd be one thing. But I mean, do we think that's going to happen? Because I don't, you know, so I think they're going to get out there and they're going to get to a point pretty quickly where they say, okay, let's just play this kid. So that's why I say under.
2: Under under 8, we'll keep that in mind as we move forward here. All right, we've got to let Stephen Holder get out there and enjoy this glorious day from ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I appreciate it. And uh, next week, the week after that, closer and closer to finding out exactly what they're going to do it for. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right, my man. I'll see you. Have a great weekend. It is Stephen Holder on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I sniff, not that, but I sniff... A Connecticut water question of the day. Should I put that number higher? I I set it at eight, and again, I just kind of yanked that out of my rear end, that number in general. What do you guys think? Gardner Minshew this season, over under eight starts at quarterback. What would you take? Eight seems to me pretty heavy. And also, it seems to me that if it's eight or over, then maybe your dude either got injured or you picked an injured guy or you picked a guy that's going to take a while. Correct? It does. That doesn't just smell. That reeks of a Connecticut water question of the day. And speaking of which, if your water reeks, get my guys Joe and John a call today. They'll come out and test it. ConnecticutIndy.com. You'll get a great deal and $100 in additional savings just by mentioning my name. Connecticut Water Question of the Day coming at you. Me and you on the other side. 239-1070. 935 107 the
0: fan. The Ride with JMV.
1: This situation absolutely requires a really futile And stupid gesture be done on somebody's part.
0: We're just the guys to do it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah.
2: Brian Adams, May the 26th, the headliner at Carb Day. 2023 from the Reckless album. We can play this a little bit longer, right? Be okay? How long can you go here? from reckless somebody right here you know it's funny i was listening to 80s on 8 and nina blackwood was on and nina was talking and it was talking about carb day talking about brian adams at carb day it's a part of that tour i'm telling you you guys are gonna love it that's a jmv guarantee ims.com get your tickets today Make sure you're a part of it. May the 26th, Soul Asylum opens up for Brian Adams. Carb Day 2023, IMS.com to get, again, your tickets today. Do it. Be a part of it with me. JMV, why do I glance at your Twitter timeline and people are talking about tartar sauce? I have no idea. Whatever floats your boat. Andrew says this, I plan on making a bunch of Uber money here locally with convention attendees this weekend. Uh, it is certainly crowded downtown. There's no question about that. And then I think they shut off like a lane or two of Illinois right there at Washington. That seems like a swell plan. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and then you can still turn left on Washington. And then you got to wait for people to cross through the crosswalk. And that's just all kinds of clogged right there. JMV, I have it cranked because I can't hear. So everyone gets to hear your voice. That's beautiful. That's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Thank you very much. Wherever you are outside right now, I know the clouds are moving in, but it is still a glorious day out there, so enjoy that. But I just want to make sure while you're enjoying it that you also have us cranked up. But the Mavericks fined $750,000 for conduct detrimental to the league. Resting Kyrie Irving and several other role players during that game against the Bulls back on April the 7th. $750,000. And I mean, hell, Jason Kidd talked about it. Yeah, that's what we're doing. And and believe me, the Pacers were doing the same thing down the stretch. They just didn't talk about it. That's pretty funny. You got to admit, that's pretty funny. $750,000. This has been... You, you think about... Disasters this season. You know, obviously we talk about the Colts in terms of that, but the Mavericks, a disaster. What a disaster for Mark Cuban! Now you go out and you get Kyrie Irving, and your team gets massively worse. I know he's. You look at seven hundred and fifty grand. It's not like the way we look at it, but still. That's some jackassery right there, everybody. Makes me laugh, though. That is for sure. All right, 239-1070. I got time for some calls. Rab John's going to join us at the top of the hour. Transfer portal information for IU and a little spring football action. When is – um? look this up, James. When is Little Five weekend? That's probably not this weekend, right? Is Little Five weekend next weekend? I wonder if they're going to enjoy this type of weekend weather-wise there's always it was always kind of a flip of a coin normally on this weekend it would have been gus macker and if gus macker weather was great that means little five weekend weather sucked and if gus macker weekend weather sucked that means a little five weekend would be great is it next
6: weekend i believe so it's friday april 21st and saturday april
2: 22nd i never have seen one moment of that race not once I never attended one time, but I had a hell of a time while not attending. Let me tell you that. Hell of a time. <laughs> never went to one race. I just was never really interested in watching them race bikes. I love the movie Breaking Away. The little guys. The little guys out there. <laughs> That's where we first got our, our really decent taste. Right? of Hart Bachner, of Ellis from Die Hard. The little guys out there. That well, was great. Never saw one race, not a lap of any race ever. I got some great memories. Uh, Daryl's at two three nine ten seventy. 1070 Hello, Daryl. Hey, John. How you doing, buddy? Great. You going to be running around and giving rides this weekend, are you?
7: I just finished, I've uh, been out since 8 o'clock this morning. going to take a little break, so they give you a call and say. Well done
2: uh, right there. Man, it I, I makes me feel good, Daryl, that you're going to take a break and listen to the show. Thank you.
7: Hey, I, first of all, great job with the interview um, with Gardner, Gardner Venture the other day. You should have you could take a whole hour with that
2: guy. I uh, there's no doubt. Like I, there are some things I want to do in long form, and that's one of them right there. So what we got to do, Daryl, is we got to get him up to Mystic Waters uh, with Brent Halverson up there for a weekend of uh, or you know a night overnight hang a little bit. And I think that's that's the type of show party we need right there.
7: There you go. I, I really don't think the, the Colts should take a quarterback in the draft. they just got too many other holes they need to fill. I think they got a better shot of getting a, a, a long-term quarterback in next year's draft. I just don't think that the, any of these guys are going to make it.
2: Well, I mean, you very well could be right. I just, again, to me, they're they're going to draft one and they're going to roll with one they believe in, but you're right about the holes they have to fill. There's no question. Hey, if I was going to give you the over-under, eight games started, Gardner-Menschu, which one would you take, the over or the under?
7: Over. I think he starts every game next
2: year. Daryl! we well, hear from you tomorrow night. Make sure you got me turned on of the V Takeover and let all these out of towners enjoy it.
7: What's yeah, that? You, you, I always get you turned on on Saturday. Hey, let me ask you another question. Sure. I don't know if you know this. How come there's only so few uh, uh, concerts out at Ruach this year?
2: Um, I You know what? Until you brought that up to me on Facebook, Daryl, I haven't noticed. Is that true? Yeah, there's only like 23 concerts. Are they, are they still in the process of adding right now, too? I mean, they, no, I'm assuming they don't have the entire schedule ironed out. But I will tell you this, and I I mentioned this during COVID. This goes back three years. I told you when everything was back to, like, everybody is touring now. Like, everybody that's ever played a note of music is on a tour now. I mean, Fish isn't
7: going to be, they're always out there. That's weird. You know, the only double, uh, double night concert is Dave Matthews. Yeah, I, yep. I know. I know a company that does does all their does a bunch of work out there, and they say that's all they're they've got scheduled.
2: Is uh is Buffett back out there this year? Because he wasn't there last year, was he?
7: Nope, he's not there this year either. Oh, man, it doesn't start doesn't. I mean, the first concert's May twenty seventh.
2: Yeah, normally it starts like the second week of May out there, doesn't it?
7: Yeah, and June's always a big hmm. month storm out
2: there. Well, I've got to ask somebody about that. I didn't even think about that until you asked me. That's a hell of a question. <laughs> yep.
7: All right, brother. You have a good night. Uh, you, you got it,
2: Daryl. Thank you very much. I'll talk at you tomorrow on the JMV Takeover. If anybody for Live Nation can answer, I'm just kind of curious if that's true or not. I did not notice that schedule until Daryl told me about that via Facebook. Hey, Tony, jump on here before the break at two three nine ten seventy. 1070 Hello.
1: Hey, it's uh, Tony. Man, how are you? Hey, what's going on with you? I'm good, man. Um, first thing, uh, this wasn't why I called, but if you're gonna do that Mystic River thing, dude, if Halverson owns that you all should raffle off the different campsites for teachers' treasure. There's no doubt and about that. that would be so much fun, dude.
2: That will be a great party. party. He that got be, it. He actually, it. Brent heard the conversation I had with uh, Gardner Minshew, and he goes, we've got to do this now. And he's yeah, right about man. that. I yeah. would
1: totally bid on a campsite because I'm a teacher, and it would go to us, and it would be a lot of fun.
7: You
2: got uh, that. Really,
1: I'm, I, as much as I'm tired of the quarterback conversation, I don't ever hear anybody talk about this, so I want your take. Mm-hmm. Remember they talked about they want the quarterback for the next 10 years, right? Now, I'm kind of split on both quarterbacks, but for me, it's about age. Like, Will Levis is literally like 18 months younger than Lamar Jackson. He's like 24 years old. Yeah. Richardson's like 20 or 21. So for me, that's the deciding factor. Like, we talk about how stacked the ASC is. Well, if he blossoms in two or three years, guess what? Some of those guys are older, and then we hit our stride. So give me your take on that, and have a good
2: weekend, uh, yeah, The age is interesting, too, because it's funny. They don't bring that up, or you haven't heard that brought up with Levis. You do bring hear that brought up with uh, Hooker. And I think that's because Hooker's going to have to wait because he's recovering from an injury to get any sort of chance. Whereas you know, I think people believe that Levis may be more readily available to get the uh, the earliest start between he and Hooker and Richardson, for example. But yeah, when you think about Richardson, what is he – Not even 21 yet. I think he's 20 right now. There are so many things to consider, and I would agree with you, Tony, on that. That is definitely one. It's from Jason Ellis, JMV. This has been my view all day, working from home with the kids, having a long-planned teacher professional development day at Cascade High School. Streaming at 107FyTheFan.com. Jason Ellis, that is beautiful. Shout out to Cascade High School. Sean, you're on hold. I'll get back to you. Rob John's coming up at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. It's ninety three five one zero seven five 107 fythefan
0: The Ride with JMV.
1: And you can tell Rolling Stone Magazine that my last words were, I'm on drugs. <laughs>
0: and 107.5 The Fan Yeah, I know we have not given away Smashing Pumpkins
2: tickets yet I believe they are out At Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center Uh, I've seen uh, Smashing Pumpkins Once, I think At uh, Lollapalooza, what, 1994 Lollapalooza Good time IndieGuy42 says How many little five concerts did you attend? Hmm Was uh, one little fob, did they have it inside Assembly Hall? Was that like Bush and No Doubt and Goo Goo Dolls? Was that one, too? Because I know I was there. Actually, it was amazing. One of my friends, the great David Hayes, who would just absolutely, you guys have a friend that would never get in trouble and could get out of absolutely anything? That's David Hayes. Still to this day. He actually left Assembly Hall because we didn't have anything to drink and went to the liquor store and got some and then got back. I don't know how he did that. Got back in, got back to the seat. It was just absolutely amazing. I thought maybe that was a little five, but most notably it was the Mellencamp show at Memorial Stadium where Henry Lee opened up and it was raining. That was a glorious weekend right there. So if if Bush and no doubt – and Goo Goo Dolls is true. It would be a couple. But certainly that Mellencamp show I was there, that was a blast still to this day. Get me Sean before the top of the hour break at two three nine ten seventy. 1070 Hello, Sean. Hey, JMV. How you doing, man? Great, my friend. Go ahead.
6: Yeah, I'm uh, down here in uh, Gainesville, Florida. That's where I live now. I moved out here in 2011. But uh, still a huge Colts fan. Uh, listen to your show every day. But... Got to tell you, man, my, my brothers live down here, too, and they have for a long time, and they're all Gators fans. Right. And they don't have much good to say about Anthony Richardson, man. They, I, I know I asked my brother the other day because he's a Colts fan as well. I said, have you have you heard all the rumors? Do you think, you know, the Colts are going to go for Anthony Richardson? And his reply was, God, I hope not. So wh-
2: why, uh, what is his reasoning behind that?
6: So an accuracy. I guess he's just very, very inaccurate, and he's super up and down in his performances. Uh, You know, maybe it's something you can coach out of it. But I know my brother said there there was so many times, like in games, he would just miss easy throws, just completely overthrow, underthrow, throw behind. He said it was pretty bad. Really? Yeah.
2: I saw that uh, piece. I, I... He did. Uh, he he did a. uh I think it's a story on himself um, about himself trying to, I think, even yeah. more sell himself uh, and, and and kind of pat down those the rumors like what you're talking about right here. You know, the yeah. criticism yeah. of him just like that.
6: Yeah, yeah. I, I just I I know. I it seems like maybe he's got the legs of Lamar, but I don't think he's nowhere near as accurate as Lamar. So that might be the problem. You know, if if we do get him.
2: So even people around Gainesville, Florida, like Sean, say no to Anthony Richardson, huh? Yes, sir. All right. Hey, Sean, thank you for listening, man. Keep doing so, and check us out on Saturday night, too, okay?
6: Yes, sir. Sean,
2: Sean in Gainesville, Florida, on the app right now, where you can also listen. The stream, the app, HD radio, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Look at Haas in there, baby. Haas going at it right now skivvy's just sent me a picture of tuna salad (laughs) is that big chunks of celery in there i don't want chunks of celery and or onions in my tuna salad and if you drop grapes in my chicken salad i might have to fight you don't do that either i don't want pecans or grapes in my chicken salad don't do it Just basically put lumps of chicken and tuna and mix it up with mayonnaise and go at it. There's your tuna and chicken salads. Thank you, Skivies, for that. Quick break. We're back with you. Rap John's Top of the Hour, 93.5, 107.5,
0: The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
2: How is it I've never had... Hart Bochner on this show before. That's incredible. Ellis. Hans, this is radio, not television. Put down the gun. Uh, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, a little bit earlier, podcast with our good friend Bob Lovell, also at our number one, 107.5, thefan.com. I do need to give a shout-out to the Smiley Morning Show. I sent a video. I told them that I was going to stop by with my bro friends, right? The bros, those are the Smiley bros. Those are actually Smiley's real friends. and And they bug him all the time because they like my show better than his. Actually, both. This show and then the Jamv Takeover. So we kind of kid back and forth a little bit on that. But that was outstanding. I sent them a video this morning. They're doing their show somewhere in Fishers, I believe. But a shout-out to Dave and uh, oh, uh, Nikki and uh, blah, 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 Will and Tony. Good group right there. And the Smiley Bros, whom we love a great deal here, too. Uh, Steven San Antonio writes this. I bet the Polish Prince was rocking this style of wardrobe back in 91. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. That's the 91 Sears catalog. Got a little Bugle Boy jean action right there. They still make Bugle Boy jeans? They're a commercial. Are those Bugle Boy jeans you're wearing? I had both Bugle Boy and hold Hold It hold it union bay give me some of those union bay jeans i had and i don't even know what in the hell i was doing i had red red denim union bay jeans what the hell am i doing with red denim on rolling around like i'm sammy hagar (laughs) red denim Red denim is what Canadians wear to their wedding. Did you know that, James? I did not. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline staked out in Bloomingtonpeaks.com and I'm sure monitoring the transfer portal and what transpires from that was some good news earlier this week regarding the transfer portal and the IU program in mind. Our friend Jeff Rabjohns again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Hello, Jeff. How are you?
8: Man, I'm good, and I got the biggest kick out of your video from, I'm guessing, your tractor.
2: While you are mowing your yard. The Spartan lawnmower from the mower shop in Fishers right there. Shout out to Paul. Indeed. Yes. That was very entertaining. You got a big kick out of that. I I mow often, and um, I like to mow. I mow really fast, though. And luckily, the Spartan goes really fast. So I don't like to be out there that long, but I do enjoy doing it. But thanks for watching, man. Appreciate that. Of course. That got you away for, what, a minute and a half or so from what you're having to cover right now. Do um, I want to ask you this because you're so on the inside of it all here. I asked this question earlier this week as well, but I'll get your opinion. Where are we considering the importance now? And I I, I know where we are with IU in mind this offseason, Jeff. But where are we in general terms of levels of importance with recruiting compared to now the transfer portal? and utilizing NIL in that fashion, uh, which one, which one is more important right now? And are we getting to a point where maybe the whole transfer portal is becoming now slowly more important?
8: I think we're at a spot right now where depending upon where our program is, the pendulum is kind of swinging back and forth, you know, like with IU right now, you know, when, when you have, you know, four or five losses or whatever, and you lose, you know, key players. And your primary guys are younger guys, you know, freshmen and sophomores. And you like them, you know, Trey Galloway, Chris Gunn, Caleb Banks, etc. You know, you like your young guys. Malik Reno certainly, uh, had, had some very good moments. But you need some more, a little more proven productivity. Sometimes the pendulum kind of swings toward the portals more important for at least maybe one cycle. And there are other programs who do, you know, just have had coaches in place a little longer. So their primary guys are, you know, guys who may be getting ready to be juniors or seniors or what have you. So I, I think it's, it's really program dependent right now. It kind of does swing back and forth. Um, but for Indiana right now, uh, this spring is really important as far as how many proven offensive weapons are they going to be able to get uh, to make sure that they're clearly uh, an NCAA tournament level caliber roster uh, come, come next season.
2: Yeah, and and again, I I know this varies, Jeff, and that that's that's a good question because it just kind of seems like now you almost it's almost even in terms of how you have to start and then how you have to end up reloading now more than ever utilizing the transfer portal.
8: Yeah, and when we're seeing that happen, you know, we're seeing you know teams make deeper runs in the NCAA tournament, but we're also one of the other things that's interesting is I think it was. was it 16 or 18? I don't have it right in front of me starters in the final four were seniors. So you kind of got options. You can go get older guys in the portal, or you can have guys who you bring in as freshmen to develop, who know your system and, you know, really uh, understand what you're trying to run and really can kind of lead young guys. Um, And it's interesting talking to college coaches. There are some of them who look at the transfer portal and go, man, if I grabbed three good players, every portal, and my other guys are my complementary players, my role players. We're an NC tournament team. There are some other coaches who look at it and go, I don't mind filling some blanks, but I want guys to come into my program, learn my system, and by the time they're juniors, they, they know what they're doing. They can run it. I don't have to worry about building chemistry with my main guys every summer and every fall and, and, and have to kind of like redo it like almost like an NBA team grabbing free agents every year. So it also depends a little, which coaching staff you talk about. Um, There are some who look at the transfer portal and go, eh, I can go get me three, four guys every spring. And that's what I'm going to do. And if I have 11 guys on scholarship and I got two studs, two other really impactful players and three really solid role players, I want to roll with the main six or seven. A couple guys can fill in here and there, and that that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna do it.
2: So Jeff JeffRobJohnsonPeaks.com Peaks.com by and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, and we knew that Mike Woodson and the company needed to utilize that in a big way, trying to make up for the losses of Trace and Jalen Hood Shafino. Um, I'm curious, Khalil Ware from Oregon, who was a freshman a year ago in Eugene, is uh, the second to Peyton Sparks uh, transfer portal player that was picked up by IU. It, it's been kind of interesting to see on one side of it, IU fans, really happy. Hey, this is a guy, talented, former McDonald's All-American, started out well, didn't end well, obviously, for Dana Altman's team in Eugene. I want to get your opinion on both the good and the still somewhat question marks that surround this, even though, you know, obviously, as an athlete, you love what they're bringing in, but it does it does come with some questions, I guess.
8: Yeah, I think the the upside is, you know, the potential – the physical tools, um, the fact that you know he runs the floor incredibly well. He plays above the rim. He can rebound. He can block shots. He's got a really good lob finishing game. You know he's got some post moves. Um, he has shown the ability to make some threes here and there. You know, 27.3% isn't going to jump out, but that does show there's a seven-footer out there who can um, make some shots. And I think sometimes people get lost. Lost sometimes. In per game averages for young players who are just coming along. And well, let me give you an example. You know, where averaged 6.6 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 1.3 blocks. Uh, those are season averages. But sometimes when you want to look a little deeper, it's, it's good to, you know, kind of try to give a little apples to apples. I think everybody would agree Malik Renault, very good player for Indiana, very promising, had a number of good moments as a freshman. Everybody expects him to be, you know, a very good sophomore. Well, if you look at Kelow Ware's per 40 minutes, what he does per 40 minutes on the court, his per 40 averages, 16.8 points, 10.3 rebounds, 3.3 blocks. Malik Winona's per 40-minute averages 16.5 points, 10.0 rebounds, 0.7 blocks. So Ware's per 40 is actually a little bit better. And I think with, with young guys, you also have to keep in mind progress. Okay. And what is the potential and what is a player's ceiling? Not everybody's going to reach their ceiling, obviously, but you have to look at, okay, what is a player's ceiling? Um, you know, there's a, tons of examples we could grab, but let's just grab like a real, a real one. Austin Reeves played his first two years at Wichita state, only averaged 6.1 points, 2.5 rebounds and 1.6 assists as a se- transfer to Oklahoma. As a senior in Oklahoma, Averages 18.3 points, 5.5 rebounds, and 4.6 assists. So that's just an example of a guy who had it, didn't have big numbers, had a change of scenery, had an opportunity to develop his game, and and really really took off. And with Ware, that's what you have is the opportunity for a young guy to to really take off. Um, Obviously, you know the concerns are, you know he did lose a little playing time as the season went along at Oregon. Um, you know, is Mike Woodson going to be the coach who really can uh, sort of revitalize where his confidence in his own game, revitalize his confidence in himself and just sort of unlock the potential that's there? So that would be the question mark. But I think if, if you're going to take a, I mean, he's the number two rated player in the transfer portal for a reason. And that's because, you know, his, his physical tools are NBA player. That's what his physical tools are. Now, not everybody who has NBA physical tools makes the NBA. We all know that. But when you look at what can you do with a player, there are some players whose ceiling on a scale of 1 to 10 is only a 5 or 6, even if they max out their ability. There are other players whose ceiling is, you know, an 8 or a 9. And where is one of those kind of players? And that's why he has the potential to be very helpful for Indiana. And the other thing is nobody is looking at anybody anybody to replace senior year Trace Jackson Davis's numbers. I don't think anybody's going to do that, not in college basketball. I don't know if we're going to see senior year Trace Jackson Davis again in college basketball for any team, much less IU. But Ware has the ability to be a very impactful center with his physical tools, his ability to run the floor. There are things that are a little more modern to his game that can be helpful with some of the things that Mike Woodson wants to run at Indiana.
2: So what happened with his fade in playing time as a freshman this past year?
8: I mean, I just think it's a little little bit. You know, they had a couple other guys who um a little older. And, um, you know, sometimes coaching staffs just gravitate toward the older guys. Um, I think it was a little bit of, you know, a lot of freshmen hit a little bit of a wall. Even really good freshmen. Um, I mean, we saw it in this state with, with the Purdue guards, you know, they came out they gangbusters in November, December, hit a little bit of a freshman wall. Sometimes that's just natural things that happen to a freshman. Um, so I just think that's kind of what we saw with, with where Oregon's roster was with some older guys. And then, you know, a player who's, you know, maybe, I don't know if it was confidence. I, you know, some people have told me that, that they think his confidence really waned, um, so if that's the case, you know, you see those things happen with, with freshmen sometimes.
2: It's so Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So maybe go over some of these other targets, specific targets, and maybe some names that, you know, are, are, are not quite as solidified as, as others that still may be on Mike Woodson and company's radar.
8: Sure. I, th- I think that the top guy clearly is Chris Ledlam, the 6'6 forward at Harvard. Um, Indiana, you know, Mike Woodson is staffing an in home visit. They had Ledlam on campus for, for an official visit. Um, he's going to take a couple other uh, visits. Uh, Tennessee and St. John's are the two that are on the docket for this weekend. And then I think a decision next weekend is is at least an option for him. So he's the main guy you look at as far as who has been on campus for IU for an official visit and whose decision is probably coming probably the soonest. Um, and again, which direction he's going to go, you know, nobody knows yet, but he's certainly a top tier guy. Um, they're looking at Dalton connect six, uh, six forward from, from Northern Colorado, very good shooter, averaged 20 points a game last year uh, shot 31% or uh, excuse me, shot 38%. From three on 6.3, 3 point attempts per game. I use talking with him, you know. I used talking with Cormac Ryan, the six five shooting guard from from Notre Dame. He's he's in the transfer portal and has put his name in for the NBA draft. So there's kind of two parts to, to Cormac Ryan, but he's on the radar. Uh, Al Ellis, six foot three senior guard from from Louisville. Uh, he's another guy who's who's on the radar. There's been some communication with Al Ellis in Indiana. Um, if they go back to adding another big, um, they may look at Jalen Deloach, uh, six foot eight center slash power forward from VCU. Um, the question with Deloach is with Indiana, they already brought in two centers. Do you want to bring in another guy who's primary and interior player? So that's going to kind of be a Mike Woodson decision as far as positionally, where do you go? Um, and then there's some other guys, you know, on the radar. Um, Naheem Alani from, from UConn, you know, he's got one year left. Uh, shot 37% from three last year. Averaged, uh, he's averaged 8.3 points per game for his career. He's on the radar. Uh, a guy named Matthew Cleveland, the 6'6 shooting guard from Florida State. He's on the radar. And, um, you know, maybe a couple other guys. But those are, those are probably the main guys that are definitely on the IU transfer portal radar with some recruiting activity going on. As things stand today, now, I say as things stand today with the caveat, every hour we see people entering the transfer portal. So, I know people have been following the portal for a while, and it feels like it's been going on for months. It is just the second week of April, and I get the very strong vibe. There's going to be more names into the portal, and I think there's a chance that potentially, potentially, more names appear on the IU radar.
2: I really liked watching this kid play and i hadn't heard much about him it, it, not in terms of iu but certainly i think lj crier of baylor is still floating around out there as well as a guard did iu from what you'd heard have any interest in trying to get him
8: um yeah i don't i uh, w- w-
2: yeah um no, you I go ahead and shoot that. it down you sound like you want to shoot it down and that's okay because i
0: no, i did no, like watching I, him play
8: no, he's, he's a really good player. I think I think he's I, – I think Cryer is looking other directions right now. Oh, okay.
2: That makes sense. It does. I was just kind of curious if maybe they, uh, they he's, might. He's a good player. There's they might. no
8: question he's a good player. I mean, you know, this past year, you know, I, I, I got notes on him up. You know, he averaged 15 points, shot 41.5% from three. There's there's no question LJ can play.
2: Yeah. So So you expect even more names to drop in there, like significant names? maybe to drop in that transfer portal as we move forward here?
8: I don't know if I call them significant. Um, Players who are probably going to get looks from Power 5 programs, you know. Um, but I, I don't know if I would say significant. I think most of the big names are in, you know, clear Cl- Hunter Dickinson, you know, guys like that. I, I, th- I think most of the main guys, I think again, transfer portal season is freaky, John. I mean, it's, it's, this is recruiting at warp speed. Uh, that's why, you know? that's why
2: I'm, that's why I'm turning to you for this because I get lost in that freaky a little bit. So, Dude,
8: a friend of mine was uh, advising a player. This wasn't IU-related, but it was just a friend of mine who was advising a certain player on Transfer Portal. And uh, he calls me in the morning. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I, th- I think he's going to cut it to four or five here today." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And he tells me the four or five. And he calls me back a little afternoon. He's like, "Not going to believe who else just called? I think we're going to go with with the final six or seven, maybe eight. <laughs> so,
1: oh, okay, okay, all
8: right. And then he calls me back like after dinner time. He's like, "Man, he's like, so and so took took this guy, so they're out, but but so and so called, and and we may go talk to them and visit them." So this is this is just an example of how fast this stuff goes. That's a recruitment that changed multiple times in one day. One day, that that's transfer portal land
9: so, in a nutshell.
2: So, are most of these connections from the transfer portal? I guess we'll all ask it in terms of IU and and where was was there a. Prior connection with, you know, assistant coaches on the team that ended up landing this? Or how many of these, I guess I'm asking this as well, how many of these are just created new, fresh relationships between staff and player in the portal on the fly like this?
5: I mean, some are
8: brand new. Uh, some are situations where um, programs have a pretty good idea of, okay, what are you looking for positionally? Well, we want a point guard. We want a wing who can shoot or we we, we need a slasher, who doesn't have to shoot, we need a big and anytime somebody enters the portal who fits those parameters, bang, you, you jump on it, you reach out to the player, maybe he's high school coach or, or or somebody else who's close to him or what have you. Um, sometimes that there there are pre existing relationships to where when somebody enters the portal, you know, you know somebody. And like in the example of where, you know, who's originally from Arkansas, um, IU assistant UC Rosemont has a lot of Uh, connections down south. You know, obviously Yaz originally from from the Atlanta area. So he knows a lot of people in in that area. And, you know, he, he knew some people down there. So when Ware entered the portal... You know, he was able to talk to where and talk to people who you know where new and where trust where trusted. So there were some pre-existing relationships that were helpful. So it's it, it's kind of both. It, it's not. It's it's one of those situations where one blanket. It's not like you can throw one blanket over all situations. Right. Sometimes it is pre-existing connections. Sometimes just just hey. You know, Don, you're in the portal. You're, you're you're a six foot three shooting guard. We got a spot for a six foot three shooting guard. You want to talk to us about our situation? Yeah, okay. And boom, he's to the assistant coach. Maybe a couple assistant coaches. You can get on a Zoom with the head coach, and sometimes these relationships happen really in the matter of weeks.
2: Anthony tells me, and I'm assuming you knew that too. L.J. Cryer committed to Houston. That's where he's going.
8: That's right, Houston. Yeah,
2: yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. I just know that watching him play for Baylor. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching he and, for example, Flagler play together. I, I I liked watching that group play, and that goes back a couple of years. I think these guys were either on the bench or maybe getting some playing time when they they won the national title a couple of years ago. But uh, I enjoyed watching them play, and I thought, man, you talk about a volume score in the backcourt. You know, that'd be something that a lot of teams would look at. But apparently, Kelvin Sampson's been on that at Houston. I guess.
8: Yeah, yeah, he's going to Houston. And- and like J.J. Starling, um, you know, he transferred from Notre Dame. And he, you know, he's a really talented scorer. But, you know, that thing was, I think everybody knew when he entered, he was going back home to Syracuse. So, you know, sometimes these things happen pretty fast. Sometimes, you know, guys really want to take some visits and get recruited and see see
2: what's what. How big of a deal was what Hunter Dickinson decided to do and enter the transfer portal a couple of weeks ago?
8: No, it's a really big deal. Uh, I mean, he's, he's the number one rated guy in the transfer portal right now. You know, where is second, but Hunter Dickinson is number one. So that's that's a big domino to fall. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see if all the Kansas rumors are true or not. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, um, you know, Maryland just hired his his former high school coach. So it's going to be interesting to see if that previous relationship has an impact. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, these rumors about, you know, Kentucky may try to jump in late. Is that real? Is that not? You know, I don't know if anybody's really sure. I don't even know if the schools recruiting him are 100% sure on exactly what's going on, but he's he's highly coveted. There's there's no question. He is highly coveted, and Kansas Kansas really wants Hunter Dickinson.
2: That's uh, Jeff Rabjohns of com of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Yeah, so you, you look at that, and then you look at the guys – That left, not via the transfer portal, but in this case, both Trace and and Jalen Hood Shafino. What steps are they taking right now, moving to that next level, either right now or what's on the uh, short term horizon for them in preparation for the NBA?
8: Yeah, Jalen is planning uh, to go out to L.A. and he's going to work out with some trainers who do draft prep for guys. Um, Trace is likely going to do the same. I, I don't know if he's got his plans locked in um, just yet, but that is what he did last year when he had put his name in for the draft. Just, if nothing else, get some feedback, do some workouts. Um, so I think that's most likely for them is to go out to L.A., do some do some draft prep. And then um, after that, um, they both want to get a, an invite to the NBA Combine. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. And then after that, uh, maybe even before the NBA Combine, but certainly after, their goal is to do workouts for individual NBA teams and, uh, and get ready for the draft. Um, and I, it's, it's really interesting because there's a lot of interest in Jalen Hitchafino among teams generally in the 10 to 20 range. Um, the number of teams that have called me and asked about, you know, what was he like as a high school players and AU players, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a number of teams doing, doing deep background on him. So I, th- I think he's pretty, pretty well slotted into 10 to 20 may go higher than 10. If he really blows somebody away, but he probably have to blow somebody away to move up past 10. But I think 10 to 20 is most likely right now. And again, they haven't worked out for single NBA teams. So a lot can change when NBA teams are looking at him in their facility with trace, you know, making the bottom of the first round is now a very real possibility for him. Um, You know, there are some teams who look at him as a very good athlete, rim runner, rim protector, you know, athletic, big off the bench, um, you know, tremendous lob game. You just kind of throw it up toward the rim and you know, he's going to go get it. You know, he's going to rebound very aggressively. Um, And and one of the things that really changed some teams' opinion of him was how well he started passing this past year. You know, he averaged 4.0 assists per game, which is a tremendous number for a a center. Um, So I think there's some teams that are are pretty interested in him and that are probably going to be around the bottom of the first round. And the other thing for Trace is going to be, you know, what does his shooting look like in front of NBA teams? Um, everybody knows, you know, he, he wasn't a shooter from distance in college, but you know, you can you can work on some things during your draft prep. And if teams see a shot that they project well, you know that that's something that can help you.
2: Shafino. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, was not like a one-and-done NBA radar type of guy coming out of high school, which he certainly transformed his game into. So there he is right now. What what kind of impression does that give you know, possible recruits on what Mike Woodson and his staff can do for a kid like that after one year and then getting this opportunity that Jalen Hood Shafino has at going to the NBA as a legitimate top 16, top 15 pick in the upcoming draft.
8: Yeah, your, your, your evaluation um, of, of where he stood entering college was right. Um, you know, nobody was looking at him as, as a one and done. Everybody said, you know, two years, you know, he'll probably get there in two, but it's going to be two, and he got there in one. So that's a really important card for Indiana to be able to play in recruiting. They can show specific development. They can show, hey, we took a player – who wasn't projected to go into the NBA draft in one year. We got him there in one year, and we got him into the first round, and we got him to pick 15, 16, 10, 12, whatever. So that's a really good card for Indiana to play in recruiting, both in the portal and and, and with high school players, especially really talented high school players, because then it's not a selling point of of you don't have to tell a kid, hey, believe us, trust us. You can demonstrate it. You know, here's what we did. Here's Jalen Huffino's game, film from high school. Here's film from late in the year. Here's film from when he dropped 35 in Mackey Arena. You know, you you can demonstrate things. But so that's definitely a helpful card for Indiana playing recruiting.
2: Yeah, just kind of wondered that. Seems like it would be, too, because that's uh, yeah, that was certainly a, a big deal. I, You know, it just, to me, with Trace in mind, I hope that he gets someplace, I, to me, it, it's almost like, Jeff go someplace that's already had success and then mix in with a successful group you know add an ingredient to that already successful group and then play off of that i I don't know if anything stands out to me right now, but at least scenario wise that's what I'm hoping for him in this draft in June
8: yeah and I, I think a place where you you have um, those elements and, and a pretty solidified starting front court where there's not going to be pressure on him to come in and produce where he can really sort of work his way into a rotation where he's just going to be asked to, hey, come in off the bench, you know, be helpful, rebound, defend the rim, run, you know be a rim runner. Um, you know if you can get out in front of front of your guy, just sprint to the rim, we'll throw it up to you. I, I think that that would really help him a lot and, and as you and I both know, you know, there are guys who have made NBA careers out of being very good bench players. You know, not everybody's going to be a starter. And if you understand your role and you go in to be as productive as you can be, you know, you you can carve out an NBA career. And I think Trace Jackson Davis has a chance to do that. That's uh
2: Jeff Rabjohn's with us. John Martin just asked me a good question, too. If Xavier Johnson doesn't get hurt, you think Jalen Hood Shafino shows this and is a one and doneer?
8: i am going to say probably so, and here's why. Um, I think Indiana was still going to do a lot of the ball screen stuff with Fino that they ended up doing in in January and February. I think they were going to do that anyway. And that was one of the big things that NBA scouts really liked, his ability to turn the corner, his ability to – that pull-up jumper, um, his ability to make decisions – um, so I would say probably, although it probably would not have been as pronounced. Um, I don't know if you have your backcourt mate with you. Do you have a 35 point game? You know, on the road at Purdue, maybe not. But I think the specific skills that developed probably still would have been there. They would have been seen, and you know, those are the kind of things when NBA teams bring bring players in for workouts. You know, it's usually six guys. You know, because a lot of NBA stuff is really three people involved on offense you know a a passer a big or somebody in the corner and and, and a guy set the screen so I think the skills that Jalen Hitchfino developed at IU still would have been on display point totals might have been different but I think the skills still would have been there and I think Jalen Hitchfino still probably becomes an NBA first-round draft pick
2: any latest on Xavier Johnson how's he doing
8: He's doing fine. Um, you know they're they're still waiting. You know the uh,
2: the timetable for it, this.
8: I mean they're they're hopeful to get an answer this month. Um, you know, but but these these are these are NCA committee decisions. So you, you know you really don't know. You don't know exactly how many how many how many folders the people have sitting on their desk. Um, you just don't know. But I know Indiana remains hopeful. Um, that, that, he, that he gets the, the medical red shirt, and I know they are hopeful that, that a decision comes this month. But again, NCA decisions, dude, you know, I mean.
2: Well, maybe they're listening right now, uh, too, and we, you, you can expedite the process of, of them going through that folder on their desk.
8: Yeah, okay, so if you guys are listening, do me a favor. Put Xavier Johnson's folder on the top of your desk just to make my April easier, okay? And I'm sure you care deeply about my workload in April, but if you do... Just help me out a little bit. What,
2: what's Kevin much? Lennon do over there? Does he have anything to do with this? Can we get him to grab somebody's folder and go through that? <laughs> uh, I got no idea on when that When we start one, naming bro. names, yeah, that'd be good. That's, that's what they love over there. We're going to get both of us in trouble. Yeah, here. probably. Yeah. Par for the course. Man, I appreciate all the updates, too. I know a lot of people wanted that regarding IU, the transfer portal, and more. JeffRabJohnsOfPeaks.com. Jeff, thank you. Have a great weekend.
8: Appreciate you, man. Talk to
2: you soon. So Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. By the way, Kevin's a great guy. Great guy. I'm curious. I'd like to see that desk with the folder on it, though. Folders on it, plural. Quick one. We'll come back. Uh, we got any time after 6 to 9? Are we going to go? Oh, we're straight up to 58 here, aren't we? Hey, if you guys want to work in, two, three, nine, ten, seventy, we can. Coming up on the other side. Final less than 30 on a Friday and a weekender getaway Friday for you.
0: Coming up next the ride with jmv and then at that point billy your house started to shake the heavens opened up and god himself spoke to you and said this bob but my name's billy it doesn't matter what your name is 93.5 and 107.5 the fan where's the uh
2: Camp tour at right now i know he's still on tour right now too i brought that up because somebody had asked me about little five concerts of the past little five next weekend down in bloomington um obviously this would be a great friday night to have little five it'd be a great friday night to be in the springtime in bloomington in general but on a on a uh, friday night like this it'd be great down there but that's coming up next weekend a Camp show somebody reminded me this and before i get back to it um Apparently, now there has been a 34th entry for the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indy 500. Able Motorsports, I should say Able Motorsports, in. So, a 34th entry. There will be bumping. This is according to, I want to get his name right, to Steve Witch. At Trackside Online, give credit where credit is due right there. So a 34th in, there will be bumping. Now, that is kind of a bummer. If you take 33 and there's 34, there's going to be one left out. But if you dig on bumping, you're going to get bumping. And there it is. Thanks to Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com for being on this hour, updated on everything inside the IU transfer portal for you IU basketball fans out there. Stephen Holder back at the 4 o'clock hour of ESPN.com and Bob Lovell, also 107.5thefan.com podcast is up right there. Chris wrote me this. I met my wife at the Little Five concert in 98 featuring LL Cool J, Bismarcky at Pick a Chick Farms. See, I was there too, but I did not. Think that that was Little Five. Am I wrong about that? She's still a smoke show. Because I also attended a concert at Pikachu that had Kid Rock and Cypress Hill, too, I believe, right? These are two different shows. But at one of them, and I thought this was the LL Cool J one, some douchey frat boy got up on stage to try to calm the concert goers at pick a chick farms down a little bit and said something like, this is not a direct quote, but it's in the ballpark said, Hey, if you blankety blanks don't start acting better, me and my frat bros are going to take LL back to the frat house and have a private show. <laughs> LL probably thought there's no way in hell I'm going back to your douchey frat house. Great. But I was Chris at both of those. I just did not remember them being being during Little Five. JMV, the year after, was Kid Rock and Cypress Hill. Even better. I was at them both. <laughs> I like think I promoted them both, too. Outstanding work. All right, 239-1070. Promise some calls before we end the week. Ryan's up next. Hello, Ryan. How are you?
9: JMB, I'm wonderful. It's good to hear from you. Right our, back uh, at you. I'm, I'm the one calling you. It's like you called me. No. But, uh, <laughs> real quick, I just wanted to uh, give God some glory today for keeping my dad safe. He had to have a bit of a heart procedure done today, and I just got word he's uh, he's heading home. So, well,
2: give, I'm give our best to your dad. That's excellent news. For,
9: we're both fans we've listened a long time secondly you, i was able to pick up the new metallica record today on vinyl so i'm going to listen to that this oh, weekend oh
2: wait a minute there's new Meta- did i miss the new metallica being re- released today
9: really Just released today. got it at target
2: what 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 is what is it called what's the uh it's called it's called 72 seasons 72 seasons and you haven't listened to it yet, so you don't really have. Oh, I see it right here, right now. Yeah. Yeah,
9: it's still in my Target bag in my car here driving, so I haven't opened it yet. Hey, but,
2: hey, uh, hey, turn this. Hold on one second. I don't know. hope there's nothing going on here. Turn me up here really quick, James. Crank it up, James. This is for Ryan. Ryan's dad's feeling better right now. New Metallica, 72 seasons right here. That's the intro. It just came out today, Ryan, correct? Correct. 72 seasons by Metallica. Well done. What else you got, Ryan? Hey, uh, I know I'm about six weeks late on this, but going back
9: to your interview with Chris Ballard at uh, the Combine, uh, I just was curious uh, if that was awkward at all. Because, I mean, if he knows what (laughs) Kevin Bowen was saying about him in the morning, surely he knows what you thought about his uh, job status. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you did a good job asking them those questions. And I just – I don't know. I i, I saw the uh, YouTube uh, video of that as yeah. well.
2: Yeah, and it's its funny you bring of- that up. And, and hold on a second. Don't, don't hang up because I, w- I want you to answer this. But it's funny. Like people that were watching um, were the ones like you that said, man, that looked really awkward. He didn't look like you wanted to be there. And then you know, Todd Meyer, our executive producer, said, yeah, I don't think there's much to that. I thought he was fine in answering the questions. I will tell you this, Ryan. If I were him, because I know me, if I were him and some jackass sat here three until six and said that stuff about me, I wouldn't like him either. Or I wouldn't like me in this case either. So I completely understand it. And that's just kind of, that's where you get because you have to be real about it. And being real about it, unfortunately, sometimes is being real about the results or lack thereof. And there's just no way around the realness and the lack of those results. But if I were him and I heard me talking about his job and acting like I know more than he does, if I do do that, then I wouldn't like me either if I were him, if we reverse those roles. So I, I do get that. Appreciate you, sir. Have a good weekend. Ryan, and uh, tell your father, continue to feel better. Seriously, I, I understand completely. It is so hard, so hard doing this to ever have, and I've brought this story up regarding Dwayne Allen all the time. We were tight. We played hoop. He just would drop in and be on the show, talked often. And then after that London game, I came back here, And he wasn't any good. And I had to talk about him not being any good. And that ended the relationship right there. But I understand. I, you understand. So it is incredibly difficult to have, you know, just a common relationship with anybody that you end up having to talk about here, because it's not always going to be nice. It's not always going to be rosy. And blue skies and green lights. Tip of the cap to the great Randy Lloyd. It's not always going to be that way. So I always thought that when people had said that about Ballard, there's no doubt. I mean, I I know. I know that most people over there understand that I have a job to do. I also keep in mind, I host the Colts pregame show. But they want me for one thing, and that's what I am, and that's a part of being professional. I am what they want during that time. I am what you want and my bosses want during this time. Those are two completely different things. That doesn't make me a hypocrite. That makes me a professional. But if I'm Chris Ballard and I hear some clown like me saying that, I don't like me either. But I went back and watched it and he probably thought, oh boy, I get to sit and talk with this jackass great. (laughs) I I don't blame him one bit. But there are different... There are different opinions on that. You know, some of you thought that there was some animosity there. Others thought maybe not so much. And and Todd Meyer was one that said, yeah, it was all good. And see, I listen, I, I win. I've said this before. When I did that, that was 10 minutes or less after he left the podium at the combine, meaning that everybody locally and nationally you know, got to ask him questions. And I wanted to make sure that I did not just regurgitate all those questions. So I called... Friend of this show, Rick Venturi, and I value his knowledge and opinion as much as I value anybody's. And I said, hey, Rick, if you're going to be listening at home right now, what would you want me to ask? What would you want to know? And then we kind of went through that, and it, it flipped the script on a lot of those questions that had previously, just 10 minutes prior, been asked. But I do completely understand. There's probably a little bit of both. There's probably a little bit of, yeah, you know what? This guy's a jackass. But there's also, yeah, I'm not going to let him get in my kitchen at all, so I really don't care. I think that's the tack that he takes and completely understand it. Quick break. We'll come back. Stefan's lurking. We'll get to Stefan before the end of the show.
0: 93.5-107-5, the fan. The Ride with JMV. The
8: Sportos, Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids,
0: Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
2: All right, brand new Metallica from 72 seasons. You will find this track five. You must burn, James. Crank it up. So what's the word out there? Comparisons to Metallica Pass, James. What do we got? What are people saying about 72 seasons? I've heard a lot of people describe it like
6: it's a mix of the Black Album and Load and Reload, those uh, those couple of albums.
2: Uh, I, I, I'm fine with it. I really like Load and Reload. So It just came out last night. That is track five, You Must Burn. From the album, 72 Seasons. Brand new Metallica there for you. Ryan, thank you for that heads up. Meantime, two three nine ten seventy. 1070 Stefan's on board here. Hello, Stefan. How are you?
4: Hey, J.M.V. So just a quick take on your whole situation, like how Chris Ballard and Dwayne Allen just, like,
2: yeah.
5: ghost.
4: The fact of the matter is this. One of the greatest friendships in sports history is Howard Coruscell and Muhammad Ali. True that. Howard Howard Corsair had to add some of the most punishing questions and did so in the most respectful way. Yep. And you have done the same face. Now, Howard Corusc was one of his biggest critics, but also one of his biggest supporters. That's the nature of the beast. In order to make the shut court cell up, so he couldn't say nothing. Muhammad Ali had to get in there and beat the brakes off somebody.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, you know, it, nice. and that's that that is that is true as well. It does, oh. it, it, and again, it takes. That's that is like elite level special relationship right there. But it it takes it takes special personalities to be able to do that because there is a a give and take. Special personalities to be ever be able to have that particular relationship. I
4: agree. So, but my thing is this: if you don't want to hear JMZ ask about your job, go win a championship. Yeah,
2: yeah. Don't go. Don't go six years and you know one playoff win for sure. Yeah. So,
4: I mean, you got the thing about it is you should, he should have way more respect for you that you went and asked him to his face, as opposed to like poking behind his back. Well, like you can't yeah. have rainbows sunshine. What is wrong with you? I, I you can't,
2: I can't face you guys. And what I mean by face, I could sit here all the time and yip yap it up. But I'm ultimately out there with you. I see you. I hang out with you, right? I can't face you guys and not be not be real about it. So, yeah, sometimes it's not understood. And and again, it's Stefan, thank you for the call. Have a great weekend. I'm not suggesting at all they don't understand that because I can tell you this: they do. Nobody ever says a word. Regarding my critiquing, I mean, nothing, maybe one, but nobody normally says a word about it. So they, they get it out there, but that's just, it's not always going to be talking about a rosy existence going on. And for the past six years, those results as Chris owned back in January have not been there. So, just part of the gig. Stefan. thank you for the call. Did you miss fire right there? I had a false start a little bit earlier. I mean, James had a false start right there. Uh, Jmv, you might be a jackass, but you are jackass, and we would not have it any other way. Ray and Indy, thank you very much. The jackass appreciates that comment. I've got to go pick up a tux. Not for me. You know what really pisses me off here? I watch my kid. Try on clothes and try on a tuxedo to wear to the Ron Cali prom tomorrow night. And everything is so easy for him, man. Me back in the day almost would start crying because, hey, this doesn't fit. You got to go to this. Hey, the waist is okay, but the length is not good. I was an absolute mess in getting fitted for a tuxedo and clothes. He just slides right into anything. That's not fair. (laughs) James, great week out of you. Thank you very much thank you all inside the lounge via youtube live all of our listeners too appreciate everything go back to the podcast including gardner menchu this week check me out tomorrow jamby takeover begins at 6 p.m Gorman taylor the last word straight at you it's next have a great weekend